0: New York's talk station with the King of New York okay, Curtis Lewa 77 WABC we are-
1: Richie Havens, I Can Think of No Better Song, that was sung live from Woodstock back in 1969, and boy, does it apply to what's happening in our country today, to masks, don't masks, to vax, don't vax, and the push to say, get rid of these masks, is getting fast and furious, In terms of its uh, viscosity. Yeah, viscosity. I I just made up that word to throw in there. Uh, Its viscosity is gaining ground. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, we want to test out our phone lines. You never know. Whenever Curtis Lee was hosting, as I do morning, noon, and night on the weekends, a total of 22 hours, Where WABC, the acronym always stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. And what an exciting uh, weekend it's been. Started out early Saturday morning from 1 to 6. And then turned it around in a few hours. And was back for the very first time with Anthony Weiner from 2 to 4. Obviously, it uh, rocked some people's world in a positive. As John Titus, our owner and operator, was acting like Al Davis of the old Oakland Raiders who always believed in giving football players a second chance those who had been busted on domestic issues, drugs, alcohol, or simply having committed crimes that caused them to go to jail. Al Davis was one from Brooklyn who had gone to Erasmus High School who said, I give him a second chance. And as a result, he won many Super Bowls because he figured the percentages he over under was. If you took a chance on 10 former stars in the NFL who had fallen on hard times or who had self-destructed, Five out of the ten would probably come through, and that would give you a Super Bowl-quality team and going back to the days of Kenny the Snake Stable, That proved to be true. So John Katsimatidis, our owner and operator, decided, hey, I'm going to give Anthony Weiner, the former congressman, a guy who could have been mayor, a second opportunity and pair him up with Curtis Lee on uh, Saturdays from 2 to 4. And he's very much turned uh, WABC into a second opportunity opportunity for him, for a lot of hosts and hostesses, just to give you a few. Bill O'Reilly was spinning his wheels, then was given an opportunity to broadcast here, and the rest is history. Uh, Sid Rosenberg, who was a hot mess, uh, running from uh, job to job in the radio world, finally had some solidity here at WABC due to uh, the patience of John Katsimatidis, and then Dominic Carter, who you can hear Monday through Friday's. From 12 to 1, uh, right before the other side of midnight, Frank Morano was given also a second-chance opportunity by John Uh But let's face it, this is the big one. Anthony Wiener, who will be joined uh, to me on a left-right combination Saturdays from 2 to 4. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 848 That's one eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc Because talk radio is in the forefront now. Sort of advocating freedom of speech, although you don't have freedom of speech in talk radio. There are certain words we can't say. There are certain things that might offend our ownership and management. And all of a sudden, we'll be on the outside looking in. But in the totality of things, pretty much we have leeway. It's uh, improv. Uh, It's like stand-up. It's not scripted. We're able to move in many different directions and oftentimes get involved in many different tangents. Sometimes it works. Sometimes we make our point. Sometimes we crash and burn. Sometimes we have to apologize. Sometimes we have to get back on our feet. Sometimes we're not given a second or a third chance. And every day you show up here to WABC now, the number one news talk station in the nation. At this time of night, it can be heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe. And yes, some sailors who have gone down to the Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle were actually heard before doing so, saying that they had just been listening to Frank Marano on the other side of midnight. Remember, that's between uh, Bermuda and the Bahamas. And believe it or not, Cousin Brucey had his first radio gig, not in Brooklyn at a, as a Madison High School graduate, uh, not in Buffalo, uh, not anywhere in the United States, but in the Bahamas. And now you know the rest of the story. So let's test out the phone line. Sometimes we have problems with our disquantificator and our spectrometers. So uh, we got to make sure that everything is hooked up, that uh, our crack engineer, Dan, is not getting brumskis and lap dances over at Satin Dolls, which uh, is the strip joint that you see in The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, Satin Dolls, the real deal. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's test out those lines to make sure that the AM part of our uh, broadcast cycle is operating. Remember, AM stands for active-minded. It's stimulating because it is the most intimate form of communication. It reaches right through your cerebellum and your medulla. Sometimes, as you're stung, God, as you're passed out, as you're parallel to the ground, your subliminal can actually pick up a lot of the messages that are being conveyed to you. Now, whereas our sister station WLIR out in the Hamptons, which right now Team Cuomo is listening to, that's right, Andrew Evellise Como, who is the patriarch of the compound, then as his brother Fredo, Chris Cuomo. And just recently released from federal prison after having done a six-year term for political corruption. Joe Pococo, the leg breaker. A guy who has the largest collection of Louisville sluggers imaginable. He carries them in golf bags. He carries them in the trunks of his muscle car, his GTO. And most importantly, he knows how to make your uh, kneecap sing and ring. That's his specialty. And all the other Cuomoites who are mounting a comeback from their little island of Elba out in the Hamptons. Our number is 1 800 848 WABC. That's 1 800 848 9222. But before we go to the phones, let's get a little update. Last week we talked about the valiant students in a high school in Washington State, very liberal very progressive home of antifa in seattle you remember the area chop you remember how they burned down their precinct in the south side of seattle well let me tell you something we need to salute those students because they led they led the revolt that is leading even blue states to, re- to remove their mask mandates of students And for adults or students or young adults who go into retail or hotel establishments.
2: We're all walking into the school with no mask on. You can get me in trouble. They can suspend me. I don't care. We're done with this. And obviously all of you are too. We want this to be a peaceful, respectful movement. We are just trying to gain back our rights as citizens. If a staff member asks you to put a mask on, you say no thank you and keep walking.
1: And if they kick you out, then go home. That began the revolt. Now, increasingly in schools across America, there are young men and young women who are saying, no masks, no masks, no masks. Check out what took place in Tennessee during the week. I feel bad
3: for all these people walking around in masks, engaging in cosmetic theater, thinking that they are making a difference against COVID. They aren't. Here's the truth. Our kids, under 25 year old, one in a million chance that they are going to die of COVID. They are more likely to be struck by lightning. They are more likely to be struck by lightning. They are more likely to die of the seasonal flu. Have any of you ever mandated masks for the seasonal flu? Well, shame on you because every kid in Williamson County Schools has been under more danger from the seasonal flu every year than they are for COVID. I would tell every parent here, don't let your kids siz- wear masks. <blunt animation> yeah, that's no
1: Al Gore. This guy's a Tennessee stump jumper going from Cape Girardeau and Missouri back and forth to Tennessee across the SIPPI River. By the way, what famous radio broadcaster grew up in Cape Girardeau? Before he went on to fame, and in some uh, instances, infamy. That's right. We are kicking the trivia because, as you know, Frank Marano, the uh, Mameluk, the Mashad, the uh, and uh, he'll be in here in the 1 o'clock hour, and he goes, oh, trivia, it doesn't lead to further conversation. He couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. Our number is one 800 848 infamous or famous radio broadcaster, uh, actually was birthed in the city of Cape Girardeau in Missouri and oftentimes was hosting Tennessee Stump Jumpers who were coming right across the Mississippi. one 800 848 So we hit Washington State, very liberal, very progressive, where the revolt against wearing masks started. Then we went to the Tennessee Stump Jumpers. Then... To Florida, where I was this past week, where nobody was wearing masks. Not the old Alta not the Boomers, not the Generation Z, X's, or whatever you call them. Not the hipsters, not the millennials, not anyone. And in fact, here was a 10-year-old Floridian. I don't know if he was an actual gator born and raised there. You can't really find many original gators there. But here was a 10-year-old Floridian talking, talking to basically the world. About this mass mandate.
4: I expected school to be a little bit different in the beginning, but I didn't think it would stay this way all year long, and I was surprised by the rules. A lot of them didn't make any sense to me, like the fact that we were not allowed to play on the playground or have student council. Or turn to face each other at lunch, and we also have to wear masks outside at P.E. and on track. I love my school and all, but my teachers seem really stressed, and that makes me feel bad. One teacher walks around with a clipboard full of referrals for any student whose mask isn't on properly. That same teacher yells at us having our masks down to drink water while we are outside in carline. She told us we had to wait until we were in our parents' car to have a drink of water. She had her mask down the entire time while she was yelling at us. This happens a lot, and it seems unfair. Teachers take their masks off while, they're, while they yell at us kids, and that we need to pull hours up. I asked my mom if there is a word for this, and she said there is hypocrisy. Wearing a mask all day makes me feel really tired and gives me really bad headaches.
1: Wow, that kid is smarter than Frank Morano. He should be doing the other side of midnight. Yeah, let's uh, let's have a uh, college bowl test. Right, Frank Murano on his side. His family wasted $55,000 a year for an NYU education. Look what they got. That kid is in like pre-K and can outsmart Frank Morano. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And so we go from the 10-year-old in Florida where uh, I was in paradise. I got to tell you, I didn't want to come back. I mean, the freedom that you have in Florida... The fact that people are not socially distanced, they're not wearing masks, they're not in fear, fright, hysteria, and hype in DeSantis land. Uh, That's the way America should be. Instead of in pandemic, lockdown, paranoia, schizophrenia, ooh, the world is going to be over. Look, check out these first graders in Las Vegas where they were celebrating mask liberation.
4: Starting tomorrow, we don't have to wear masks
5: anymore. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Pink Floyd, we don't need no education. School's out forever. Yeah, who sang that joint, huh? Remember? Remember if you got caught singing that, humming that to yourself, lip syncing that in class, you got hit so hard your mother felt the vibrations at home, and you were assigned to detention. Who out there can describe what detention was like in the high school that accepted you, didn't excommunicate you, or expel you? What did that form of detention take? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Giuseppe Joey calling from Hackensack, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joe. Hey,
2: Curtis, how's it going? I've been listening to you since 1994, since I came to New Jersey. Just a little assessment, and you have extensive expertise on this, but it has always been my my assumption and, and belief that had uh, Mr. Weiner not got busted for that sex scandal, that he would have been the mayor over de Blasio. Would you say I was right? Oh, you're absolutely correct. Not
1: just de Blasio. He had actually launched a uh, a campaign to win the Democratic nomination prior to de Blasio running uh, when uh, Mr. Term Limits, the billionaire Mayor Bloomberg, decided he wanted to break all rules, and he cheated his way into a third term, bribed the city council, bribed them in a lot of ways, uh, encouraged them also to seek an extra term and break term limits. And when the polling was done, even though, even though Michael Bloomberg ended up spending $100 million on his reelection, Anthony Weiner was ahead in the polls. Ahead in the polls against Billy Thompson, it was getting closer and closer to the point where it looked like the billionaire mayor Michael Bloomberg would lose to this upstart kid from Brooklyn. And then all of a sudden, I believe it was Stu Lozier who went digging for dirt, who found a picture of Anthony Weiner playing hockey as a goalie over on the west side, instead of being at a crucial vote in the House of Representatives. That was on the front pages of all the tabloids, and I believe below the fold of the old gray lady, the New York Times. Now, that wasn't devastating. But I believe that Team Bloomberg, who were muckrakers and spent a lot of those bloomy dollars trying to rattle your bones, had begun to hit the tip of the Anthony Weiner iceberg, and I think they scared him off. I think Stu Lozier and Team Bloomberg went to uh, Congressman Anthony Weiner and said, hey, you know what? Bloomberg's just going to serve another four years. You're a young huckleberry. Just park it. Put it on the shelf. We don't want to have to annihilate you, destroy you, disseminate you. Just do that, and I think Anthony Weiner heard that, decided not to take on Bloomy dollars, the, the big dig we'll call it, And put himself on the shelf. He wasn't hurt for from a month. Democrats wanted to know, hey, wasn't Wiener going to run against uh, Bloomberg? But Wiener didn't surface. And so all of a sudden he said he wasn't going to run. And then Billy Thompson, who had absolutely jacked, did squat no money, uh, who was going through some tough times in his marriage that Team Bloomberg exploited and took advantage of began to run against Michael Bloomberg. Bloomberg spent $100 million halfway through election night, believe it or not. Billy Thompson was ahead. Team Bloomberg was having an X lax attack. Although I think uh, Bloomberg was actually uh, eliminating out of his tuchus gold nuggets at that point. They were freaking out. They just barely won when the votes all were tallied and counted in the wee hours of the morning. There is no doubt, Joe, that Anthony Weiner could have been mayor on two separate occasions. When you consider the second time crashing and burning in the House of Representatives, having claimed that it was Breitbart who had photoshopped his uh, male member, or as it was referred to, what was that, Carlos Danger, you know, his fire hose, uh, proving uh, that in fact that was not true, he decided to resign. And he sort of stayed out of sight, out of mind, and I'll never forget it. It was Flag Day. It was right there on a hot day in June. I was in the gardens at that time when my two youngest sons lived nearby in Forest Hills. Uh, it was Carter and it was uh, Hunter. They were very young at the time. We lived on Ingram Street. We walked over there because it was the annual Flag Day celebration. Very few communities celebrate Flag Day any longer. In fact, how many people out there actually know what day in June Flag Day is on? one 800 848 That's 1-800-848-WABC. So we're watching the Flag Day ceremony. And who shows up who lives across the street with Huma? It's Anthony Weiner who no longer was the congressman. And he took that time, since he also attended that Flag Day ceremony each and every year in Forest Hills, to announce he was running for mayor of the city of New York. People said, ah, that's crazy. He'll never, he'll never be able to be mayor. Christine Quinn, with a glow-in-the-dark uh, Clairol red hair, was down the block with Cooker Joe Crowley, head of the Queen's Democratic cooking Machine. Uh, and that was, his, uh, that was her Medici, along with Bloomberg. She had the editorial page endorsement of the New York Times, the old gray lady, of the Daily News, of the New York Post. She was on her way to victory. And guess what? Wiener was in the race. He was number one in the polls. He was a people's choice. I mean, come on. Who the hell would have wanted Christine Quinn as mayor of the city of New York? Uh, By the way, it was New York class who immediately uh, undercut her. Uh, She was uh, attempting attempting to uh, support the horse carriage industry in Central Park. New York class decided to support de Blasio, the fake phony fraudulent fugazi that he was, who suddenly was a born again. Oh, we don't want horse-drawn carriages in Central Park. Give me your money, New York class. And they did. And still, who was ahead in the polls? Anthony, the whiner, wiener. Until, Until all of a sudden, the crash and burn number two occurred some woman named Miss Indiana, a voluptuous Indiana cornstalk, surfaced and said, Anthony has been sexting me. And there it was, boom, crashed and burned a second time. So, yes, indeed, he well could have been mayor of the city of New York on two separate occasions. And, in fact, I doubt seriously uh, that any Republican candidate would have beaten, and I believe he would have won the Democratic Party uh, nomination, which unfortunately is almost a segue into being mayor of the city of New York. Our number is one 800 That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Carl in Astoria. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Carl.
6: Hey, hello. Good evening, Curtis. I'm really enjoying you on the radio. It's great. Oh, uh, thank you, Carl. My mother's. Uh, you're from Canarsie. My mother was born in Sunset Park, 1925, Norwegian. And, uh, now, now, you, now, you old know
1: old. what the nickname for Norwegians is?
6: Uh, little Beijing, right?
1: Uh, no, yeah. Squareheads.
6: Squareheads. Oh, Squareheads, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. The reason
1: yeah, my yikes. my father explained to me they're Squareheads because they were the best seamen in the world. My father was a merchant seaman, 55 right. years. Yeah. He he would take me to Bay Ridge for Leif Erikson, Eric the Red Day. They really thought they discovered the new world. Huh? But the Norwegians he said oh they're the best sailors in the world So your mother was she born and raised in Norway or were her parents from Norway
6: uh no her father was from Norway he was a he was a he was on one of the steam freighters he was a he was a cook on one of the steam freighters so
1: now uh, were they, they eating uh, were region. they eating Fisk balls and Ludafisk
6: <laughs> a lot of that yeah love Scouts very salty food actually Oh and, hell yeah if you have high blood high pressure you don't there, want uh, to eat that stuff. Now, now my father comes from Astoria. He was German American from Yorkville. They moved to Astoria, and they both met in uh, Coney Island. And my father went off to war in 1944, the Pacific, in the Navy. And uh, when he came back, they got married. So that's that story. Uh,
1: now, you were born. You yourself was, were born and raised in Astoria.
6: Pretty much so. Yeah.
1: What high school did you go to, Carl?
6: I went to Bryant, but things weren't so good there. My parents were divorced, so I got to finish up at Van Buren over in the, the middle. Of, that was be uh, uh, Queens Village. Sure, sure. Actually, so
1: so, so uh, you start out in, uh, over by Long Island City, Bryant. Uh, right. You end up going to Martin Van Buren.
6: Yes. Uh, which and, at that time was a very good school at that yeah, time. I don't and, know about today. You know.
1: And, and then where did you end up going?
6: Uh, I went to Hunter College, okay. which and, also in the seventies was a very good school. Even though, I mean, the liberals of then were nothing compared to these progressive, hardcore left. And you're you're still, still you're still,
1: still in Astoria, Carl?
6: Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. I have a lady friend in Forest Hills, and uh, I know we go to the same bagel shop there on Seventy First. Got to oh, get a bagel. Oh,
1: Seventy First Continental. I know which one that yeah, is.
6: Yeah. That's, That's a great, great. That's right. White white
1: fish. Oh, that's right. White fish. Oh. White
6: fish bagel.
1: Oh, you like to put the schmear on and then snack on your girlfriend, huh? Uh,
6: That's great. A little wine, a little white wine, a white fish bagel, and the romance begins.
1: Now, you ever notice, Carl, that sometimes when the warmer months come, which will soon happen, spring, summer, they have that Belgian waffle truck that parks right there. On 71st right. Continental with the freaking right. Belgian flag, belching out black smoke, polluting the air with their freaking <laughs> Belgian waffles.
7: Right. You
6: know what I'm huh? The, uh, you got the station bars. You got thirty air down there. Yeah, but you know what
1: I'm going to do? What? You know what I'm going to do, Carl? I so hate that Belgian waffle truck flying the flag of Belgium that nobody can recognize. Not an American flag. Then I'm going to take a stiletto out and in front of everybody, a nice sharpened stiletto. I'm going to say, "Oh, you like your Belgian waffles, huh? You like the Belgian flag?" And then
6: I'm just going to slash the tires. <laughs> I don't blame you. I never eat off the cards for the most part.
1: Why? Why not? What's wrong with the card food?
6: Uh, well, it depends on what it is. Once in a while, I go to some of the other big falafel carts. here.
1: Yeah, so but I Carl, Carl, see. where do they wash their hands?
6: Uh, that's a good question. Right, I, they, reheat it. I, I take it home and reheat it to make sure any germs are...
1: Where do they go to the bathroom?
6: That's a good question.
1: So uh, they, they have unclean hands. They're wiping their tuches, uh God only knows where, because you know they're not letting them in to use the bathrooms. And then they right. come back to prepare the Belgian waffles or the falafels. And and people are lining up. They're going around the block. Oh, I gotta have my Belgian waffle. Oh, I gotta
5: have my fluffler. Oh,
6: a lot of a lot of young people like to eat on the carts because it's very inexpensive, and you're not going to a restaurant. You don't have to leave a tip, so so they do get a lot of business. In ah, place, they're, so.
1: they're, they're cheapskates. Uh, they're welchers.
6: I, I could just make another point. We're talking about mass. Well, what about these? Uh, My lady friends seem to think that the restaurants would would therefore do away with the vaccine mandate within a restaurant. But I said, no, I don't don't think that's – I think you still have to present your uh, vaccine papers or unvaccine papers. That's true.
1: They are making you do that, but we need to revolt. This is nonsense. This is complete nonsense. This is just a power play to take their jackboots and put them right in the nape of our necks. And this way we're like "Eh, eh, 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 – Uh, 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 uh. Um, Anything you say, Holcomb. Anything you say, Adams.
6: Right, well, what I do is I go across the border, to Queens border. Or I go to Nassau County. Or uh, I go to Floral Park or ooh. I go to Port Washington.
1: So. Or even Franklin Square, Long Island. Right. And who is well, from I'm Franklin Square, Long Island? Let me ask another trivia question. People are a little slow. This must be a Frank Morano audience. Which famous or infamous person can trace their roots to Franklin Square, Long Island. 1-800-848-9222. Oh, you got it. You got it. Oh, you see? The rock rib conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island. I'll actually be appearing with uh, Sean Hannity tomorrow night with Anthony Weiner at 9 o'clock, exclusive to the Fox News Channel. See what a segue that was? All
6: right, Curtis. And I think Bill O'Reilly lived close by in Levittown, right? That's
1: right, Levittown. Now, how many yeah. Levittowns are there, Carl?
6: There's another one in Puerto Rico. There's
1: one in Puerto Rico right outside of San Juan. That makes two. And where is the third Levittown?
6: Uh, a little west of here, right? No, Pennsylvania, not... Pennsylvania. That's okay. I'm a little west.
1: That's here. right. Okay. You got two out of three. You're on a roll here, right. Carl. You're no Frank Morano listening, that's for sure. You know, it's too bad that we don't have you for that scam of a contest in which you have to get 10 uh, soft answers in 60 seconds. God, you could be a millionaire, Carl. You'd be racking up on Frank Morano.
6: Uh, I'd rather listen to you, Curtis, and talk to the cheese man.
1: That's right. fromage, fromage. <laughs> now, you know what? They say that cheese, you know, like cheddar cheese, which got a lot of fat. Clogs up your arteries, clogs it up. But meantime, uh, they say the cottage cheese, which is low fat, does not clog up your arteries.
6: Right. right.
1: Wh- which do you prefer? Are
6: you a chet a cheddar head, or are you uh, a? Oh, well, I guess I'm uh, with a Norwegian. I like the Jarlsberg, and I like American cheese. I like a Munster, or like a a, a Jack. How about uh, how about cheese. a little,
1: if you ever crack open uh, a little Limburger
6: cheese? Uh, that's a little tough. That's a little tough. Well, that, look, that. look, if well, you're upset with the good.
1: company, you know, you're sitting around the living room, you don't like the company, you hope they go home, crack a little Limburger cheese, and let me tell you, they'll run like somebody was dead for 10 days.
6: You can get that down, and uh, I know you go to his own fish once in a while. You can get that down, and the oh. they got a great butcher shop. Right there, you know, you know, you know
1: that, that German restaurant right there in Glendale, across from the Mickey D's, they threw me out of there. Why? I went Why with not? my two youngest sons, Carter and Hunter, right? I said, now, this uh, is an authentic German-American restaurant. They had the Steins. They had all the decorative uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, architecture of a previous generation. And the guy came up to me in his Lederhosen. He's wearing freaking Lederhosen and that stupid hat that they wear in Bavaria. So I started laughing my ass off. And then he goes, you laughing at me. How old are you, Sliwa? And you're still running around with a red beret and a red sateen jacket? We almost got into a fight. Right. With the man, that yeah, I said, hey, I want yeah. some knackwurst and brackwurst and Venus schnitzel. Yeah. He didn't seem to yeah, the old uh,
6: the old Niederstein was. Yeah, there,
1: he, there. He, yeah, Carl. He didn't seem to have a sense of humor. You know, he tried. He wanted to knock my block off. Hey, real really. Really? From Bavaria? You're going to knock my block off?
6: Well, you know, even in Germany, the northern Germans play up at the... uh laugh at
1: the lederhosen also yeah yeah they Brother should
6: germany they they'll make fun of the oh the annual
1: lederhosen. steubenville parade up fifth avenue they're, they're in their leader they're doing these funny dances with these knock knees and i'm saying what do these to catholics because you don't see the lutheran germans doing that oh no they don't run around with Lederhosen and those stupid uh. bavarian hats on with the little feathers
6: uh, old old Yorkville used to be. Old Yorkville used to be fantastic. When I was seventeen, eighteen, I'd save up fifteen, twenty dollars, you'd go up there. It used to be like uh twenty, thirty different restaurants you could oh. choose from. Now there's only one left. Hey, you'd hey, 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 let's not Idaho forget,
1: bus. let's not forget Fresh Pond Road there. Fresh Pond Road oh, the German bakeries, the apple strudel in the morning, the crumb yeah, cake. So you so couldn't find uh, a gum American wrapper on the street. Oh, car, oh. The walk
6: bakery was there. They oh. had one here in Astoria and oh. then another one. Oh, in, uh, the
1: memories. In oh, God. Oh, the apples. And the women. They would have their hair up in those, uh, what do we call those things? Those buns. Those buns that went like they were bigger than their head themselves. Don't mess with the Germans, though, man. You throw a, a Wrigley's wrapper, a Spearmint wrapper in the street. They'd have you arrested for that. Other neighborhoods, they didn't care. They could be dirt everywhere. They'd be taking taking Pampas, air mailing it out out of the fourth floor. Uh, They put garbage right out the window. Not the Germans, man. No, you couldn't find not even a gum wrapper, not even a cigarette butt. If they saw a cigarette butt there, one of the old German women, they'd be down on their hands and knees. They'd be scrubbing the sidewalk, scrubbing it. And now with Mr. Clean, oh, no, a janitor in the drum, they had stuff more. And you see you flick, you flick a cigarette butt, and they look at you, and you'd be doing triple life without parole in their little knockwurst, Brockwurst, liverwurst jails. Oh, yeah, they had liverwurst jails. You ever try to eat liverwurst? You ever try to cut Uh, and slice liverwurst, Carl? I get the
6: Charlotte and Weber liverwurst.
1: Yeah, but, but you know, if you cut it too thin, it goes all over the place. You got to make thick cuts, and then you got to put brown paper in between the thick cuts.
6: uh, It's great. It's great on nickel with a little lettuce, a little thin slice of tomato, a nice smear of mustard. Oh,
1: Carl, Carl, you're getting me hungry here. That German restaurant right there in Glendale, across from the Mickey Mickey D's, they threw me out. They can't even pronounce their name. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the name of that restaurant that told me that my money wasn't welcome there? Threw me out in front of my two sons. The hell, didn't they realize we won World War II? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. He
0: knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC.
1: Vax Mandate Town in Paradise Land, DeSantis Land, Florida. There's no Vax Mandate. There's no mass. That's why so many Canadians, if they can't fight against their Vax Mandate against Trudeau Jr., they'll be joining all those Canadians heading down to the east coast of Florida who planted their maple leaf flag right in Hollywood. And they've taken over all the shuffleboard courts from the Americans. We need a Canadian bacon, too. We need to launch a war against Canada, against Trudeau Jr. Keep your stinking Canadians in Ottawa, in Ontario, in Montreal, in Quebec, in Alberta, in Winnipeg, in Saskatchewan, in Regina, in British Columbia, in Victoria. Man, and in Halifax. Because they're all fleeing. They're all fleeing, oh, Canada. And they're all coming to the east coast of Florida. Go ahead. Check those no-tell hotels, Holiday in Expresses. What flags do they fly? The Canadian flags up there. And they've taken over all those shuffleboard courts from the Outer the American Outer who need to play shuffleboard and then line up for the Bluebird Special. At the local restaurant, because, you know, by 5 o'clock, they got to be indoors, right? Ladies and gentlemen, I I sense there's been a Canadian invasion. If these truckers don't block the Friendship Bridge, the Freedom Bridge, the various bridges that take you from Buffalo into Ontario, that take you from Detroit right into Windsor, then those Canadians who are fighting against those Vax mandates, who are fighting against the mandates to wear masks, where are they going to flee to? They're going to flee to DeSantis land, freedom land, and they're going to plant their maple leaf flag, and they're going to take over all of your uncle and aunts, your grandparents' shuffleboard courts. What is a senior citizen without playing shuffleboard? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Tell me, haven't you seen? haven't you seen the Canadians invade Florida? Now, you're worried about Florida turning from a red state to a purple state, to a possible blue state. Well, if you let all of them come in from Quebec, where they fly the blue flag, I forget what they call that flag. By the way, what is that flag called that they fly in Quebec that's all blue? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. If the Quebecois leave Quebec and go down to Florida, it's all over. It's all over. Florida will go from blue to purple No, make that red to purple and to blue overnight. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Harriet, who's calling from Sheepshead Bay. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Harriet.
8: God bless you. You're a national treasure, you and Nancy.
1: Well, thank you. In fact, Nancy will be joining us as she does each and every Sunday night into Monday morning. Before I have to hand over the microphone to that Mangalooch, that Mama Luke, that yeah. Mashad, Frank Marano with the Animal Welfare Hour, because Nancy is the best animal rescuer in this area. She is. She is. Well, I spoke
8: to you about a month ago. I was I was um, working as an assistant to Victor Rizal and uh, God bless you for your tribute because he uh he taught me the who what where when and whatever he was the greatest um, um uh teacher you could ever have in journalism um I graduated from Erasmus Hall high School and I went on to brooklyn college and uh and uh I want to tell you um this is my opinion uh this vaccine mandate that is going on is uh unconstitutional uh it this this whole this whole battle is about justice it's about truth it's about the value of a single human being under the nuremberg codes curtis uh no government should force its citizens to take an experimental drug and robert malone who was the inventor of this uh technology the the um told us it's no good.
1: Now let me ask you a question, Harriet. You mean you will never take the boosters, the boosters?
8: No, not in this lifetime. So if no they way. if they
1: strapped you down on a gurney, if they grabbed you kicking and screaming out of your domicile, if they had you on that gurney and all of a sudden you were at Coney Island Hospital and they took oh, out that, the big. that big oh. horse needle and said, Harriet. You must submit sciencey papers now. What would you do, Harriet?
8: I'd say to them, "Go to hell!" Uh, you know, in my body, myself. Uh, this is an experimental drug.
1: Now let me ask you a question, Harriet. You graduated, proud graduate of Erasmus High School. How is it oh. you? You are sane with pragmatic, common-sense views, and that other infamous graduate, the schnoz, Barbara Streisand, who fled (laughs) out to California with Barbara Boxer at that time, who became U.S. Senator there. By the way, which uh, high school did Barbara Boxer go to? Not so much for you, Harriet, but for everyone listening, because you're a little slow, a little slow today on the trivia. It's a Frank Morano audience, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. How is it? that you maintain your values and the schnoz Barbara Streisand completely mm-hmm. lost it out on the West coast.
8: Yeah. She's way older than me. I'm, I'm four years older than you. And I, I went on to Brooklyn college. Uh, there are a lot of people there who were left, but, um, uh, I'm not left. I'm a conservative and, but I'm a free thinker. Um, I'm in right, wait. wait,
1: wait a you went, you went to Brooklyn college.
8: Yeah. 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 Right, 1967 so On the yes. way
1: to the junction. On the way to the junction where Nostrand meets Flatbush, right there in right. the shadow of Brooklyn College. Did you stop off at that ice cream parlor? <laughs> Wolfie's. Yes, did you? Yes, I
8: did with my father and mother. <laughs> oh,
1: wasn't it magnificent? Wasn't it great? Did, weren't you just swimming in that ice cream? Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, it was a different world. Oh, it's a different world. Uh, uh, No more banana boats. No more. But you see, you can't say, you can't go into a Carvel and say banana boats because that is considered a pejorative remark. It's against people of color. So you have to whisper. Well, the guy on the other side of the counter is normally Korean. They own all the uh, Carvels. You have to say, I want a banana boat. Don't let people of color hear me.
8: (laughs) I love my African-American brothers and sisters. God bless them all. I want to tell you, no, I have been speaking to everyone. Uh, people are starting to use their noodles. They're starting to think, how many boosters are you going to take? A regular vaccine has it has the dead and the weakened antibodies.
1: It's a vaccine. Now, let me ask you a question, Harriet. Where do you reside now? Where do you reside now, Harriet?
8: Sheepshead Bay. Okay, Sheeps at bay. so
1: imagine you're going to King's Plaza. There's some kind of a sale there, 99 cents for everything in the store. You're all for toots. You're excited. But a security officer, a mall cop, greets you right at the front door entrance to the King's Plaza Mall and says, where is your mask, Harriet? You can't buy all the sale items here, the going out of business sale items, unless you put a mask on. Are you going to put a mask on or are you going to walk away? I will walk away. Yes. Uh, I, when, I, when I go on the bus, I need to put the
8: mask on. But you ask me for a vaccination certificate? Are you kidding? This is genetic therapy. This is not a vaccine like the polio vaccine. Now, like now, the flu now, vaccine. hold on a second.
1: You say get on the bus. So I'm getting on the bus there at King's Plaza. I'm heading right. towards Floyd-Bennett-Field, Floyd-Bennett-Field across the Bell Parkway. And I look to the left, and I see what used to be a Toys R Us And it's like graffitied from top to bottom. It's been vandalized as arson right across the street from the Marine Park Sand Trap, better known as the golf course. It's one big sand trap. How could they allow that to exist there, Harriet?
8: Everything is graffitied everywhere. Everything, As a matter everything. of fact, the uh, the SBS uh, meter where you put your um, uh, your metro card in, it's yes. just been defaced. Oh, everything, God. everything. The whole city is going what, what, to what hell.
1: What happened in Brooklyn? My beloved Brooklyn. I remember Toys uh-huh. to R Us there. I remember all the people would line up. they say, oh, it's a store that just sells toys. It's not like Reds. Remember Reds? Yeah, then I don't. Oh, uh, what what uh, that was you that? You don't remember. Uh, you don't remember, Reds. Huh? Okay. Well, I bet you there are people out there who remember Reds. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one 848 WABC. So Harriet, let me give you one last, one last um, hypothetical situation. You're in a situation where you've gone into a hospital. You, you have, unfortunately, another issue has nothing to do with COVID-19, nothing to do with coronavirus, but it's serious. And mm-hmm. they say, but Harriet, before we can explore your options, and you're running out of time,
5: mm-hmm. you
1: have to take a COVID-19 shot, not a booster, just one shot, so that you will not potentially become a breeding reactor. Of COVID-19 for the other patients, the nurses, the orderlies, the attendants, and the doctors who are attending to the patients. Will you or will you not take that COVID-19 shot?
8: Not in this lifetime. What's in that vaccination shot? They don't even tell you they, they have the aborted cells of fetuses. They've got the graphene in there. They've got the, the backbite. They, they actually, uh, I heard that uh, once they get the booster, once you get a booster, the third one, three strikes, you're out, man. Now, 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 let me ask you a question.
1: Let me ask you a question because I've had the two shots, the Pfizer shots, no booster yet. But my arms, they hurt from the shots, you know. Should I, if I decide to get a booster, I know you're opposed to that, but let's say I decide to get a booster. Should I have it in my right cheek or my left cheek?
8: Don't take it, period. Uh, save yourself. Uh, I think people are coming to their senses, and uh, they know what, uh, you know, at one point I worked I worked as a junior writer for Pfizer, mm-hmm. and uh, they were putting some pretty suspicious, uh, in the 80s, yeah, suspicious,
5: yeah, you know,
1: suspicious hey, crap you, on the market. You know where that was down in Williamsburg? I thought that was a German immigrant who started Pfizer. Hey, this is like our German hour. Where was Mr. Pfizer from? What country in Europe did the Pfizer family come from and establish right in Williamsburg this huge, massive pharmaceutical empire that has become a monopoly in some instances, especially? Guys out there, you're looking for Viagra? There's only one place to go. It's Viagra. Or the knockoffs from India. So one Viagra tablet from Pfizer, you know, they rob you for like 50 bucks. The what? So the what is that? The little green pill, whatever they call it. In India, they give it to you for 50 cents. Now, how is it that Pfizer can charge you for the little green pill, blue pill, $50? And in India, right, in Bombay and Madras and Poncherry, wherever those factories are churning off those knockoffs, it's 50 cents. It's the same freaking thing. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC.
0: Check this out. No No one one. knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC.
1: Grandmaster Flash and the Furious 5. The message, the all-time greatest rap record in the existence of time. Uh, 1982 was three years after I started the Guardian Angels in 1979. This uh, this record blew it up. Blew it up because it told the story of the Bronx. Told the story of the flight of everybody out of the Bronx and out of the city of New York. And today, earlier today, up in Angelica's... On 187th Street and Fort Washington Avenue in the Heights off Inwood, we celebrated our 43rd anniversary of service to New York City, to the subways, the streets, the parks, the schools, and in 13 countries now in 130 cities. So we had uh, guardian angels who were watching the festivities from all over the world. Obviously, it's a virtual world now. They were zoom, 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 zooming. They were watching from Mexico. They were watching from uh, Brazil. They were watching from South Africa, from Barcelona, Spain, from Gothenburg, uh, Sweden, from London and England, from seven cities in Italy alone, from the Philippines, from Japan, from parts unknown. Yeah, we're out there in force, five thousand members, and as I fired up the troops especially the guardian angels from New York City, I said, look, let's face it, Eric Adams, all talk, no action. First five weeks, we're in more miserable shape crime-wise than we were, believe it or not, in the feckless week, eight years of Bill de Blasio. And so we're just going to have to take charge like we did in 1979. That's right. So I I gave them orders from headquarters. We're going to have to do the job that Eric Adams promised he would do. But he sold us all wolf tickets. He's too busy. He's too busy running around the city in Ferragamos and custom-made suits to understand what has to be done. Anyway, from New York City to Philadelphia, and it's Bill, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Billy.
9: Hello there, Curtis. Well, uh, it's good to talk to you again. Which part of Philadelphia, which part of Philly are you in, Bill? I live in the Olney section up north. Yeah, you, you know. Familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm very familiar with Germantown. I'm I phil- know you were here because I remember reading about you coming to Philly to establish a chapter of the Guardian Angels. I think they're a very excellent uh, organization.
1: Oh, and you have a hot mess there with, with a turn them loose, TA with a
9: feckless, weak mayor. Oh, he's horrible! You know what I heard him say on the airwaves here? He said, "Incarceration doesn't solve anything." Not o- not only that, Bill, wrong. Bill.
1: You have a police commissioner, a female African American police commissioner called Outlaw.
9: Yeah, Danielle Outlaw. How yeah. the
1: hell did they pick somebody with a name like Outlaw who's well, supposed to be fighting crime?
10: Commissioner,
9: well, because our mayor, Mayor Jim Kenny went all the way out to uh California to find her. She was in Portland, Oregon. She's originally from Oakland, California.
1: Yeah, well, uh, as you could see, Portland, Oregon, is out of control.
9: She was ready to leave, and they didn't want her to go. Oh, She, she she was overwhelmed. I heard her say it. She said, "I've never seen the things I've seen here before." I'm Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And what's the situation with masks, with the uh, vaccine mandate, uh, with uh, forcibly forcing people in Philadelphia
9: to wear masks now? Well, they have a city mask mandate the mayor established. You're supposed to wear a mask when you go in a store or a restaurant. And they have signs up in the, at the entrances of restaurants and stores that say a city uh, Philadelphia City ma- mandate, you must wear a mask when entering our store.
5: Hmm.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you
9: this. I'm asking a question now.
1: Uh, there was that time where goalies who were protecting the Nets in the NHL were told they had to wear masks. Who was the last goalie in the NHL who refused to wear a mask? And you could look at him and count the number of stitches on his Ufacha bruta. See, I'm asking all kinds of trivia questions tonight. This must be a Frank Morano uh, audience because uh, they're not catching Jack Dilly squat. one 800 848 That's 1-800-848-WABC. And up next, we're going to be talking about shoplifting. We're going to be talking about smashing and grabbing. We're going to talk about Al Slim Shady charging complaining that he couldn't get his toothpaste at Dwayne Reed because it was all locked
0: up. Poor Al Slim Shady Ch- New York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 W.A.B.C.
9: One, two, three, into the phone, Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the door, ready to make an entrance, so back on the, before I have to pull the strap out Ah, uh, uh,
1: so, like so disappointed I am. So disappointed I am.
11: G- the Natty Boys,
1: Cincinnati Bengals, unfortunately, could not snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. And they lost to the L.A. Rams 23-20 to out in la-la land against the Trendoids, the Freakazoids, the Jet Setters, the Zombies. Then I understand it was a halftime show. I'm sure some of you were cheating on me. Sure you were. Don't lie to me. You were cheating on me. You didn't have me on simulcast. You were watching the big game. Why the hell can't we call it what it is? The Super Bowl. Oh, we may get we may get Joe Rogan for that. I want to know from all of you out there, those of you who are degenerates, I have to see the halftime show. You know, with the Geritol 3. You got Snoop Dogg. It's, what is he, like 86 years old? Uh, and then Dr. Dre playing Puff Puff Pass with the Blunts. With Snoop Dogg as they there in their Impala, You know, doing the hydraulics there in the middle of that uh, stadium in Englewood. Right near LAX so you can make a quick departure. And there, I wonder if they dropped the N-bomb at all. I wonder if they did a Joe Rogan up. And then, of course... There was Slim Shady. Oh, Eminem. You know, he dropped the N-bomb in 1993, just one time in a rap song. And then he had to go, please, Dr. Trey, protect me. Tell the brothers and sisters it was okay. I promise I'll never use it again. I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. And he never did. Give me that music, kid. I got to find out if Dr. Trey, Snoop Dogg. I know Eminem didn't. He wouldn't have had the courage to do it in front of the Super Bowl crowd that amounts to millions across the country. Or maybe it was Mary J. Blige who was wearing the pants at the Super Bowl halftime show. Mary J. Blige. Wasn't she from Yonkers? Was she a rough rider? Was she with DMC? I don't know. My head is spinning from all that rap crap. What about, oh, uh, was Eric Adams out there the man saying, oh, what the hell kind of rap are they doing now, huh? I never heard of that. Our number is one 800 You got to let me know if Snoop Dogg or Dr. Trey actually dropped the N-bomb in the soup stupid bowl, turlet bowl halftime show. one 800 That's 1-800-848-WABC. We're going to be talking about smashing and grabbing. We're going to be talking about shoplifting. We're going to be talking about how many criminals here, especially in Manhattan, under the aegis of the brand new Manhattan, turn loose, district attorney. I just want to hug Doug's Alvin Bragg. How so many of them have requested an Alvin Bragg swag bag before they go into CBS, before they go into Walgreens, before they go into Dwayne Reed. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's one 800 let us go to Tom calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Tommy.
12: Hey, Curtis. June 17th, I believe, is Flag Day. Excellent. And, Excellent. And Gump Worsley was, um, was the goalie with no mask.
1: Gump Worsley. Okay, Gump Worsley. Do you remember what team uh, that he last played for before they had to give him plastic surgery?
12: No, I knew he was with the Rangers. I don't know who he went after that. I believe,
1: let's see, I believe he played briefly with the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. I believe he also played at a point for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Back then it was so much easier, Tom, than all the the teams they have now. It was just simple. You had the Rangers who sucked, the Boston Bruins who sucked. Then you had Gordie Howe leading uh, the Detroit uh, Red Wings. Then you had the Toronto Maple Leafs, who were always like mezzo Menzi Poco Poco, half and half. Then you had the two best teams uh, were the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, there was uh, the Rocket, Rashad. There was uh, Bill the rocket in the pocket. That's right. And then there was the Chicago Blackhawks with Bobby Hall and Stan, the Czechoslovakian wonder man, Makita, with,
12: yep. with
1: the hook sticks. These sticks were so hooked. You said, how the hell is that a hockey stick?
12: <laughs>
1: Remember how they used to hook those sticks? Yep. Then they take a slap shot from center ice and it would be doing the dipsy do the puck because of the hook stick. <laughs> ah, can anybody? Can you, uh, can, Tom? Can you? Uh, can you name 1964? The starting uh, three forward center for the New York Rangers, the two defensemen, and the uh, goalie. Can you? Can you, Tom? No, I cannot. Ah, but I can. There was Jockerman in the Nets. There was the Silverhead Harry Harrison. He was the captain. There was the <laughs> Indian Jim Nielsen, the other defenseman. And then there was the top line. There was Hatfield, Bear, and the center was Rattel. You see, I nailed it, Tom. <laughs> You sure did, Curtis. You know that entitles sure me to do a Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular. I'm going to have to speak to John Katzman Titis. I don't do enough hours here at WABC. Always broadcasting, Curtis. Why not a one hour Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular on the weekends?
12: I'm, I'm all for it. I'm with you. Thank Kurt. you. Thank you. I appreciate. Hey, listen, can, yes, can I yes. ask you a oh, question, Curtis? Of course, you can ask me a question. Of course. I was a court officer back in 1980 and uh, you had a trial in civil court. Oh god, have I had I trials. Met, I met you back then, a long time ago. And and where, and which court? Which court? It was in Civil Supreme Manhattan.
1: Oh god, they tried to screw me.
12: Yeah, but you know what I I, I well, you know, I was curious to ask you. You were like um you were objecting to a, a movie they had about you. Well, it was a pretty flattering movie, so I was surprised that you were you were fighting that.
1: Well, of course I was fighting that because it wasn't all about me. You know, I needed a crane to get me in and out of a room. I noticed from the briefs, it was called We're Fighting Back. It was a CBS movie uh, that would be very difficult to find nowadays. But I looked at the script, and I said, how come this movie isn't all about me? Me, I, I, me. What's this us and we stuff? And so I tried to stop this movie, and they said, you have the chutzpah, you have the coulions to come into court, Mr. Sliwa, with no money representing yourself? That's right. right. I said, I'm representing myself pro se. What do you think Mm -hmm. of that, judge? And boy, that female judge was eye-fornicating me, mad-dogging me in the black regal robes. I lost. I lost the case. Because you know what they say? What kind of a person? would have themselves represent themselves and have a fool as their lawyer.
12: Let me add something, Curtis. Yes. Yeah, so he was very impressed with you, that uh, judge.
1: Yeah, but he's still lost.
12: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I you could
1: say, oh, uh, you know, kid, if you go to law school, maybe, you know, you could be a, a good lawyer. So I uh, go there, I pontificate, he objects, he objects, sit down or I'll have you dragged into the tombs. And then afterwards... As the jury rules against me, you know, six uh, jurors in a civil case, six alternates, mm-hmm. I got wiped out. Then he said to me, hey, kid, you did a pretty good job. I lost. I lost the case, Tom. <laughs>
12: right, right,
1: right. Hey, you remember yeah. that, Tom. See, you're not going to forget that, huh?
12: Not so sure. Uh, not so sure.
1: Do, uh, you know something? Do me a favor, Tom. Forget that. That was a loss. If I had won, right, oh, yeah, I won the wall case in Newark, federal court. Oh, yeah, the police union in Newark sued me for slander and libel. Of course, I slander and libel everybody. Isn't that part of free speech? That's why we're Americans and not a freaking red China. With President who? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. Belly belly sliding into home. So, of course, I slandered them and libeled them. And then they took me into court, and there was a magistrate. Federal court near Broad and Market, not far from the Gold Dome City Hall there. Mr. Sleever who will be representing you against uh, Mr. Fosco, who is representing the Newark Fraternal Order of Police? I said, you're looking at him. He said, no, you can't represent. This is federal court. You know, Mr. Sleever, this is not... This is not a local municipal court or even this is federal court. Do you understand the history? And I had to listen to this guy for 15 minutes. Tell me the history of the federal court system. I said, not for nothing, magistrate. You're not. You're not necessarily a judge, right? No, no. I'm I'll be a judge soon. But you're not a judge. You're only a freaking magistrate. I'm representing myself. And I went there and I bamboozled the jury. I used technology and I won the case. Now, you know, you win some, you lose some. Isn't that what lawyers always say? Hey, you win some, you lose some. So I lost in New York, and I won in Newark. And you don't need to know the rest of the story. one eight hundred eight 848 Let's go to Brian, who's calling from Yonkers. Boy, this is your Yonkers night. From Nodine Hill to Schlobeim to Getty Square to Mumford Gardens, it's Brian and Yonkers.
11: That's right, Curtis. Thank you for taking my call, man. They should definitely give you more airtime on this radio station. You clean up New York City in the subways, now you clean up there <laughs> Now, thank you. I want to tell you, I was in Brooklyn. Underneath the BQE, there's this family dollar. I'm there shopping around, guys in the back. He has this little handy bag with him. He's just stuffing it with things for the, the last two customers. He's walking out, and he's leaving, and the two ladies try to tackle him. And the guy ends up getting away, but it was just shocking to me how that happened right in front of me. I thought it was only, you know, things you
1: see on TikTok or whatever and Brian, this was uh this was the Dollar Tree store. Yeah,
11: right next to the uh auto zone.
1: Yeah, you know some you know you're in trouble if they do a smash and grab at a Dollar Tree store.
11: <laughs>
1: you know, true. you know you're in trouble. By the way, since Brian is talking about crime and we're doing the We Be Thugging update. That's what this is. I need a little Dr. Trey and a little Snoop here underneath so we can hear Brian, you know, nothing but a G thing. Nothing but a G thing. Anyway, continue, Brian, continue.
11: Yeah, so I told the two ladies that they out of their minds to even try to stop this gentleman, you know, individual, walking out of the store with the stuff that's worth a few dollars. You know, they don't get paid enough to do that. And they were even trying to give him all this... Um, Trying to stop him. But right after before he came outside, he ended up just leaving and stuff fell on the floor.
1: Now Brian, old school, old school would have been, you wouldn't be telling me what to do because I'd pull out my Louisville slugger and it wouldn't be wood, it would be aluminum. And I beat that shoplifter within an inch of his life, and guaranteed he wouldn't come back, and the word would spread in the hood. There's that crazy white boy there at the Dollar Tree store swinging that aluminum bat. You think that would
11: work, Brian? Oh, the old Curtis
1: Wheeler would definitely stop him on his track. Ah, look, 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 look. You know, old school, before they had aluminum bats, it was all wood, Louisville sluggish. I actually went down there to Louisville, Kentucky, saw the factory. I can't tell you how many times I've been hit by Louisville sluggers, whether they're autographed by Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, even one Tommy Trash, or Rocky Calavito. Oh, that's special to our owner-operator, John Katzmatidis, because when he was first in the grocery business, he always kept his trusty. Louisville Slugger, Rocky Calavito bat next to him. Rocky Calavito, who had a gun for an arm in right field, who played for the Detroit Tigers, then the Cleveland Indians, then the New York Yankees, could hit the ball a country mile. you didn't want to be anywhere near the batting cage when Rocky Calavito, the whirling dervish, was swinging and winging. Because let me tell you something, if you had a Rocky Calavito in every aisle, of Dwayne Reed, of CBS, of Walgreens, of Gristini's. You wouldn't have any problems with shoplifters. Let me tell you, they'd see that bat. Uh-oh. He's got a Rocky Calvito bat. Ooh! That's it. You got that? Hey, hey uh, put it up there. Dr. Trey Snoop Dogg, yeah. Thanks for <ISTINap>
11: it's the cap- Bunch of thugs Did a drive-by
1: shooting, <inaudible> didn't you, huh, Snoop? Uh-huh. In Los Angeles, you were, you were gripping like You were gripping like You popped that nine Mike. out, yeah, out. You shot six times You killed somebody one dead Then you went before the jury It was jury nullification Because it's an old Snoop dog He's a crip We didn't see nothing Dakota America. I must have dementia I must have Alzheimer's 1-800-848-WABC That's 1-800-848-WABC Let's go to Rob calling from the heartland of America Indianapolis, USA Your turn to be heard here at WABC
3: Hey Curtis, I know you've had better days and I know why You never sleep, you're always on the radio That's right.
1: As I've told our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, there'll be plenty of time to sleep when we're dead, because what else is there to do? All of a sudden, they fold you up. They put you in a casket. They give you a half suit. They give you a half shoes. Everybody passes by at the wake if you still have any friends. And they say, oh, he looks better in death than he did in life. What a great mortician. Oh, they really worked him up. And then they close the casket, give you a dirt bath, and it's over, Rob. It's over.
3: It's over. Well, I got an answer to your first trivia question, Ooh. and that's um, Rush Limbaugh.
1: That's right. Riffs. Rush Limbaugh, one of the greatest broadcasters of all time, came from Cape Girardeau, the other side of the M I S S I S S I S S I S S I S S I S S I S I P P I. Oh, I missed up there. It's Tennessee. That's why I call him a Tennessee
3: Stump Jumper, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and speaking of crime, um, you know, I used to go to New York a lot in the 90s, and I've watched the city transform from Dinkins to Giuliani, and it was a great place under Giuliani, especially with traffic, because I drove a big truck, and you remember that? Don't block the box. Yeah, don't block the that? box. And traffic improved overnight, and they enforced it. You block that box, by they come up and they beat on your window, and you—you you got a ticket. And uh, they weren't messing around. And traffic got better. I mean, I could walk down the street, go get some food, whatever. Never felt threatened. It was a great place.
1: And you didn't, and, um, and because uh, Rudy Giuliani was cracking down. He enforced noise abatement. You did not hear Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre pulsating out of the tweeters and woofers of any homeboy who was just like cruising, <laughs> pimping behind the wheel. Right, Rob?
3: That's right. It was a great place. And I get what you say when when you say it's not the greatest city in the world anymore. I understand because you remember the good times. And, um,
1: Rob, Rob, I was at the verge, yeah. at the tarmac at West Palm Beach on Friday night. I had to catch the flight back to do my marathon broadcasting on the weekends. WABC always broadcasting, Curtis. And I thought twice, three times, four times. Why would I want to leave paradise here, Freedom Land, DeSantis Land in Florida to crawl back into the belly of the
3: beast of the big NYC?
1: I actually thought... Thought that over, Rob.
3: Yeah, well, I think New York needs you, but I understand. You know, at 67, maybe you just want to, yeah, relax and live in a better place. What? Relax? No, no, Rob. I'm
1: coming out to Geary, Indiana. Geary, and East Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, thumping me some thugs, Rob.
3: Yeah, there you
6: go.
1: Boy, those are hardcore thugs. Am I right or wrong, Rob?
3: Yes, we have plenty of
1: them. Damn right! I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna get clean and me in the heartland of America, Indianapolis, with the with with those tall stalks of corn.
3: <sighs> yeah, we have a lot of corn too. There's Damn corn corn right, in Indiana! But there's a lot of it. And then
1: there's Indiana Beach. I've been to Indiana Beach, there up in the lakes, Rob. You really? actually have a freaking beach in the middle of the country.
3: Yeah, the dirty lake with a lot of big goldfish.
1: Yeah, and I went swimming there in the lake. And I was out there laying up in what they said was Indiana Beach, and I said, how low budget is this? How low can you go, Bob?
3: So you must have uh, swam in the Hudson and got... Yourself toughened up first. I don't know.
1: Well, I got immunized. That's why, if you notice, one person who should have had Corona, COVID 19, is yours truly, Curtis Lee, uh, out there with the homeless, the emotionally disturbed, taking care of them. I believe I was immunized because when I went swimming in the East River, in the Hudson River, there was a lot of flotsam and jetsam. They didn't have surge plants then. You know, it was like raw right there you saw you saw little floating objects that you said let me avoid that because I might get I may have to get a tetanus shot after that encounter oh.
3: yeah well there's too contaminated with PCBs as well right
1: oh yeah and, you know the old uh the old CEO he was from Boston of uh, GE. Up in Schenectady, the plant was, like, pumping out PCBs. He goes, oh, I'll get a glass of water. I'll drink the PCBs. You know, I said to him, go ahead. Go for yours. You'll be radiating in the dark. You'll turn the lights off, and we'll see you from three miles away. (laughs) See that, Rob? We got to kick knowledge to these people. We got to kick it from the heartland, Indianapolis. See, that's the kind of listeners we have here at WABC.
3: Keep up the good work, brother. Uh, thank you, yeah, thank Hopefully you. you'll oh, transform New York. Not only that, come to Geary.
1: Come to Geary. Come to East Chicago. Come to South Chicago. <laughs> Clean it up. Clean it up. Clean it up. Yeah. Beat me up get some new, thugs. I can get away sure with it, Dad, because there ain't no cops. Oh, yeah. It's true. Oh, Rob. Well, the, the memories, the memories are floating here. Anyway, let's go, if we can, to Annette in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Annette. Good
13: evening, uh, Mr. Sliver. Uh I'd like to uh, preface my re- comments mm. with telling you that uh, I've been listening to you since way back when you're on with... Alan Combs,
5: oh, the best!
1: And he I was missed the you best. when you
13: weren't on. Oh, Very happy. I miss that, uh, I miss
1: Alan B. Combs. He's up in heaven, radio heaven. What a great broadcaster!
13: Are right. uh, too young? Yes. Uh, as much as he wasn't my type of uh, talk radio show host. Oh no,
1: I know, I know, but he did a lot of theater of the mind when he did overnights. He he was he was one of the best.
13: Well, he was good. He was good. He yeah, knew his, his, yes. what he was talking about. Yes. I didn't always agree. Of course. But uh, I'm very happy that you're back. Thanks to your oh, boss, thank uh, John Casamitidis.
1: You. Hey, hey, look, this I, is my home away from home. I'm here more than I am at home.
13: More than that? You, you're, you're on more than that? All hours of the day and the night I hear you.
1: That's right. And, you know, I'm I'm just beginning my mission, which is to be on 24-7, 365, seven days a week. All you hear is Curtis would talk, and you'll never hear the same program twice in it.
14: You know
13: why? Because you're very humorous and you are very, very intelligent. you. You have a marvelous, extensive vocabulary. Ooh. Wonderful. You're a very, very
1: smart man. Now, Annette, you do realize that I am known for botulizing the English language and creating my own language called Sliwanics, very similar to Ebonics, with a lot of right. fractured phrases, malaprops, mala <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I spoonerisms.
13: I haven't heard that word since I was in college. <laughs> oh.
1: hey, that was only like <laughs> 10 years ago, right?
13: Oh, thank you for the compliment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what college did you go to, Annette?
13: I went to Hunter College.
1: Oh, Hunter, that means you were a communist, a liberal. Remember, no, we were all but told.
13: I, I I went when it was all
1: female. Oh, that's right, and the guys were hanging outside, right, trying to pick you up on Lexington Avenue. That's
13: right. Right by the armory. Park Avenue, one end Park Avenue, one end Lexington. Yeah,
1: I was there also, uh, you then, know. And then
13: I, went, I also went to Hofstra and Post.
1: Oh, you were a I, Dutch I've, woman. I've
13: tried I've tried them all.
1: Oh, you tried them all. It's like the men in your life. You tried them all, Annette.
13: <laughs> no, I didn't go that
1: far. Oh, okay, all right. Hey, you know, it's theater of the mind, theater of the mind, Annette.
13: Anyway, uh, the reason why I called was uh, maybe about 20 minutes ago. The question was about Flag Day. When it's Flag Day? Yes. And a, a man called in and gave the incorrect answer. What? Yes, he said June
1: 17th. We must find this man.
13: But nobody co- called in and corrected him. I said, I'm going to do it. Uh it's not the first time I've been on the on
1: you call know ben. you know what we're gonna do. We're gonna start doing here for some of these callers. We're gonna put labels on it misinformation. This caller provided misinformation. We're gonna do what Spotify does to Joe Rogan misinformation. How would that be Annette?
13: Uh, I don't know what a response you would get. uh <laughs> you know, people do make mistakes. He was sounded like a more mature I don't want to say old a more mature to way. a man, which surprised me. People make mistakes. So he, what surprised he said me was he, he's, that nobody called in and corrected him.
1: Well, this is a Frank Morano audience. You say flag day. They <laughs> say what? The Italian flag. You know, they they know of no other flag in Staten, Italy.
13: Well, that's oh. true that you're right there. Flag day is June the 14th. Oh, and it's the same day as. President Donald Trumps, I should say, President Donald Trumps was also born
1: on. You plane know, day. I I want to take a stick and impale myself on that one. I should have picked that one up, and that shame on me, shame on me. Well, I was
13: surprised you didn't, but you know, like I said, people make mistakes. You probably your thoughts were probably on the next. Uh, the next thing that you were going to say in no. the next discussion, no, because no, no, you I'll go from one, one that. thing to you could talk about anything. I, I know, but so I love that, your show. I
1: understand, but please, please don't make. You can talk
13: about anything you are very, Don't very make smart excuses
1: man. for my misinformation and my misbehavior, and that I believe in the old Japanese method. When you're in charge, and I'm, I'm surely in charge. There's only one way out of this. There's got to be a public display. I got to get a Ginzu knife. I got to get a Rambo knife. I got to.
0: Let's
15: not
1: go that far. Don't go that far. Well, wait. They do it in Japan. Harry Carey, right? You know, not the guy who used to sing drunkenly, you know, during the seventh inning stretch there in Wrigley Field and almost fell out of the stands all the time. I'm talking. Oh, I remember
13: about... that, yeah. Harry
1: Carey. Now, that's a man's man. Who could take. Another thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Ladies first.
13: Another thing that on that you do that makes me laugh. I, I originally came from Brooklyn. You come out with these Italian expressions that I used to hear in Italy, <laughs> and a lot of them I didn't know what they meant. Like. <laughs> Uh, and sometimes you explain, brings back a lot of memories
5: uh, uh,
1: from memories, my childhood, yes. my
13: wonderful childhood oh, in
1: Brooklyn. The, the memories, the memories are flowing now fast and furiously. You mean when they call Frank Morano a Mamaluk, a mamaluch, and more importantly, a Mashad? Who knows what a Mashad means out there? Because Frank Morano, if you look in the dictionary under Mashad, you'll see his picture, his high school picture from Tottenville that he has on his Facebook page. 1 800 848 What is a Mashad? That's 1 800 848 WABC.
0: The founder of the Guardian Angels, who group dedicated to fight crime on the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC.
11: Every time you come around, you know I can't say
1: no Ah, uh, this is my beautiful wife Nancy's Every favorite song it's along so with mine, Ed Sheeran and Bad Habits. Control. And we're on the cusp, it's a pre, 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 St. Valentine's Day celebration. And that's right, it is St. Valentine. St. Valentine is a, a, a saint, one of 952 saints in the Roman Catholic Church.
5: Anyway, let's go to the phones.
1: It's uh, Shlomo uh, who's calling from Soho, or it's Soho calling from Shlomo. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Yes.
9: Justice at
11: CNN.com.
1: Ah, it's the Dobbs Ferry guy. I wonder if he was able to snack on Judge Janine Pirro earlier today from 11 to 12 after Michael Badacheech, Rudy Giuliani, and Dr. Maria. No, no, he probably wasn't too intimidated. Anyway, let's go to Frank in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Frank. Hello, Frank. Oh, we've hit a little snag. So let's flip the script and go from Frank to Lewis in Riverdale. Yes, Lewis. Yes, Lewis.
12: Mashad is a shlemiel.
1: Hmm. Yes. A shlemiel, a shlamad, a Mashad. Very good. And where did where's the first time most Americans heard that?
12: Um from you?
1: No. I wish I could take credit for that. It was a very famous sitcom about a brewery in Milwaukee.
10: Oh. Laverne and Shirley.
1: Yes, because remember, what did they say? Shlemiel, Shlamad, Mashad. Remember? Yep. Yeah, you remember that. Now I do, yeah. Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. And that's what Frank Morano is, a Shlemiel. <laughs> he really is, Lewis. I mean, he, you know, he's going to be here soon. You know, he's probably going to be half in the bag uh, probably went to a, uh, what do they call that, a toilet bowl. Like, we can't call it Super Bowl, can we? Uh, whatever. The big game show. Probably drank like 12 martinis, you know, dry martinis. He's going to be half in the bag. And he's going to be all offended because we called him a machete.
10: How much does his son weigh now? Man.
1: 24 pounds, young mm-hmm. Carmine. And you know what the biggest controversy is, Lewis? Where he should be Baptized.
12: In The Episcopal Church.
1: Yeah, but they don't have uh, they don't have a little bassinet big enough. You know, twenty four pound kid ain't going to cut it. in Episcopal. You ever go to a Thanksgiving at a, an Episcopalian family? They give you one little slice of roast beef. They give you two asparagus uh, tips, and they White. give you green mold jello. And don't don't ever ask for seconds. White bread with milk. Exactly, exactly. Our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. By the way, uh, let's listen to some Shady Sharpton, who actually got some attention from the styling and profiling Ferragamo shoe-wearing mayor, who's done nothing about crime. Eric Adams. You go to a local pharmacy, drain, weed, or write any of them. And you've got to get someone to help assist you. I mean, they they have the little button there. You hit the buzzer, and the guy comes over and unlocks your toothpaste. I mean, we're talking about basic (laughs) stuff. (laughs) (laughs) What did I miss that we now have to lock up toothpaste? That's because you've been supporting criminality all these years. Oh, my God. But because he can't get toothpaste now, Eric Adams has to crack down on crime, right? You see, the mayor does not call the shots here. His strings are pulled by Al Slim Shady Sharpton. Come on. Get it straight. He's on with coffee, Joe. He's complaining he can't get his toothpaste. Watch Mayor Adams probably sent twelve of the Hercules police officers with their machine guns and their helmets on outside of the Dwayne Reed. What is that, the Carlisle Hotel? Where Michael Bloomberg used to stuff the envelope like it was the booster bag with ten thousand dollars a month so there'd be no justice, no peace rallies. Hey, Mikey, I know you're a billionaire. Yeah, yeah. And what did Eric Adams recently say at the Fortune Society dinner? That was the night of our second debate when I mopped a poop deck with him. And he said, oh, Michael Bloomberg, it's like Jesus walking across the Sea of Galilee. Black man, show some pride, man. Don't be talking about white billionaires like that. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Gina. The Yenta in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gina. Hold on, I'm not a Yenta. What do you call me, Yenta? <laughs> well, you do You do talk fast and furiously, Gina.
16: Okay. Yes, yes, oh, I'll, fast and furiously. Oh, okay. God. I want to give my point of view on what happened to me with the vaccine. Oh, all wow. these people that are so against it. Oh, what happened? What happened? Okay. When did the vaccine first come out? In the, in the late... Twenty twenty or early twenty twenty one. I think it was. Uh, I think it
1: was August of twenty twenty one. That's August. when I declared. Uh, you know, we, we we had we had uh, coming in from Philadelphia, singing "Burn Baby Burn" the Tramps, and we uh, we mm-hmm. had uh, Mask Liberation Day. Uh, and unfortunately, okay. uh, the vaccine alone did not work.
16: No, the vaccine alone. Okay. I was trying to make up my mind whether to take the vaccine or not. And while I was trying to make up my mind, I caught coronavirus. Yeah. And I was very sick in the hospital for two weeks. I had severe pneumonia, COVID pneumonia. I was on oxygen. I was almost on a ventilator. Thank God I got better with the medications. They were giving me steroids, antibiotics, and something else. I don't know what it was against COVID. I couldn't wait to get my vaccine. I'm going to tell you. I had to wait three months to get it because that's the rule. You have to wait 90 days. I rushed to get my vaccine. I never want to get sick like that again. I got the second vaccine. I can't wait to get the booster. And that's what happened to me.
1: Wow. And what hospital were you? Uh, were you? Uh... I was in, in Beth Israel in Brooklyn. Oh, right. that's on King's
16: Highway. That's on King's
1: Highway, yes. Yeah, that's not far from Tilden yes. High School. That's where my mom was uh-huh. for a while. She had a oh, yeah. problem. She was there. Yeah, yeah. You
16: know, that's they, give a, there. yeah they give good food in there. Oh, they give good food. Yeah,
1: Tril. good food. Not, not that typical <laughs> hospital food, that bland food that you go, and yeah. It's
16: and it's a small
1: hospital, so it's not too big. Small. So you don't get lost. You know, you're not just a number.
16: Okay, yeah. I don't know. Good. Yes, yes, Gina. What's the matter with these people that don't want to take the vaccine? (laughs) (laughs) I know that's a popular view on that show, on WABC, but for me, I couldn't wait. I want all the vaccines. I want the pneumonia vaccine, the shingles vaccine. I'll take all of them. I was so sick. I thought I was going to die. I was very sick. You know, it's
1: interesting, uh, Gina, you talk to some people. And they'll take Botox shots. They'll take steroid shots. But they won't take the vaccine shot. They'll take Botox. They'll take steroids. But they won't take the COVID-19 vaccine shot. I'm trying to figure that one out. 1-800-848-9222. That's one eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc
0: New York's talk station with the King of New York, Curtis Lewa, seventy seven WABC. One, two, three, into to
9: the phone. This is the
1: anthem for all smash and grab thieves, so like
9: thugs, and thuggets together together in
1: the nation. And when they, they get their G- Alvin Bragg swag so bag so and G- go to Dwayne Reed, CBS, yeah, well, or Walgreens, amazing, this so is so what they're rocking in their headphones. And by the way, they're Dr. Dre headphones that they just swiped
11: out of Best Buy. NPC- enough, NPC- for that enough of that music,
1: enough of that dog life music Anyway, let's go to the phones It's Heidi patiently waiting on the phone in Nassau County Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Heidi
15: Hello, Curtis, I'm a yenta, but I don't think I uh, gossip that much oh. I just want to tell you hmm. I love you and everything you do And hmm. you're so intelligent and humorous and clever but I just want to say one thing. Yes. You have to send Nancy to re-education camp. Ooh. You know why? Why? She says, "You know, once every five seconds." Oh. I, I can't listen to it. It's and like, like
1: it's, it's like a tick. It's a tick. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean. 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 You know what I mean.
15: It, I, well, it's you know. You, you know, know, you know, Have you Heidi. That? Yes,
1: yes, Heidi. It's a generational thing. You know, these hipsters and millennials. I think that's what she is. Oh. Uh they're not like our generation. You know, the boomers' generation. Uh, we we don't talk like that, Heidi. Oh, you see, we 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 we're able to discipline ourselves instead of this new generation that goes. You know what I mean. 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 Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean already.
15: Well, how can we um uh, reeducate her?
1: Well, I think uh she's going to have to enroll in uh enroll in the reeducation camp that I'm setting up this summer. Now, Heidi, had you ever been to the Irish Alps, or the Jewish Himalayas in uh Sullivan County, the Catskills? No. Well, maybe that... I
15: should go also.
1: No, we're first going to uh, purchase or at least lease or rent one of the old uh, one of the old hotels. Uh, John Katsimatidis is going to survey that, whether it's Kuchner's, uh, whether it's Grossinger's or Brown's or the Concord. Then we're going to invite our listeners, especially the phone callers, uh, the 1% as we call them, the 1% because only 1% of people ever call a talk radio program. And we're going to teach you in the rules and regulations how you never ask me how I'm doing because I'm just going to say I've had better days. Don't thank uh-huh. me for taking your call because I've just been soliciting your call a mile a minute and never, 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 never say first-time caller, long-time right. listener.
15: Well, I didn't do that. I'm, no, I'm a no. Good, I'm a good student. Yes, right? you're a
1: good student. But we've got to do something about my wife. I mean, it is annoying. It really is, Heidi. I'm glad you brought this out before Valentine's Day because I'm going to have to confront her that she can't be saying this over and over again. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know what I mean.
15: Well, you know, she said it in an hour. She said it 70 times. What? Seven. seven, Oh, I counted. Yeah, Heidi. 70 times.
1: Now you understand why I don't listen to her. (laughs) She claims, oh, you never listen to me. Well, of course, because you're asking me, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Maybe maybe, maybe somebody like yourself can address that issue, woman, woman to woman, because she's always saying to me, you never listen to me. Now you know why I don't listen to her. Seventy times within one hour.
15: Seventy seventy times seven oh. 0 between midnight and 1 o'clock. It's, you know, you know.
1: <laughs> I got to tell you, Heidi, you know what that's the result of? Uh, uh, she's got big britches on. You know, she goes, I went to Stony Brook. I went to Brooklyn Law. I'm a lawyer. I have Esquire after my name. And yet. What does she repeat over and over? Can you tell our entire audience of hundreds of thousands of people in 38 states and parts of Canada, a drip of Europe and tied into that and Davy Jones's locker between Bahamas and Bermuda? What is it she says over and over again,
15: Heidi? You know. Exactly. <laughs>
1: you nailed it. <laughs> but you know something? I'm ready to confront her on this now. That you brought this to everyone. This is this is the dark little dirty secret of our marriage.
15: Oh, God. Is this going to end in divorce? I hope not.
1: Well, I, I, I'm an expert in that, aren't I, Heidi? <laughs> I mean, well. let's face it. I can write a book on
15: that. So now there's going to be a fifth marriage?
1: Uh, well, no. I'll just, the grounds will be, unless my wife Nancy stops saying, you know, you know, 70 times in an hour... Yeah, I, that that's cruel and unusual uh, treatment, right? That that's punishment. That's mental cruelty
15: to the listeners, right? Yes. I I turn off the radio between midnight and one o'clock, and then yeah. I I do. Yeah,
1: and then you I turn can't... it on to that Mashad, that Mama Luke, that, no. that 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 Frank Morano.
15: No, I can't stand him.
1: Oh yeah, that, well you know he's a baby boomer hipster too. I know. What, what is it?
15: They, what? Have to, they have to grow up like you and I. Yeah,
1: Heidi, he is very immature, isn't he? Yes, he
15: is.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I wanted to say that, but, you know, he's a colleague of mine. He works here. But, Heidi, you have the freedom to say that. Explain why he is so immature.
15: I'm trying to – well, he can't accept any criticism.
1: No, no, none whatsoever. No. no.
15: And he says, ask me anything, as if he's a, such a big know-it-all.
5: <laughs> That's like, true.
15: The, the big hour. Ask me anything. You ask me my high school teachers. You can ask me this. You can ask me that. God forbid you ask him his age or his weight. Oh. Does anybody ever ask his weight?
1: Oh, forget it. Well, you could uh, profile him, and you figure he tips <laughs> at least 250, 300 easily.
15: Oh, I thought close to 400. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, you're right, so- ask
1: me anything, and people ask him his age, and he won't answer. <laughs> I know. Isn't he a sanctimonious hypocrite? He is. Yes, yes. Imagine <laughs> for an hour he has the gall to say, Ask me anything. And then you ask him his age, and he acts like he didn't hear you. <laughs> Incredible. You know, you're very astute, you're very cogent, Heidi.
15: I am. I have two master's degrees.
1: Yeah, two master's degree. What did you major in?
15: And one is in nursing, and the other is in health education.
1: Ah, see, and nurses know everything. The doctors know nothing.
15: <laughs> that that is very true. You know, and you- they hate. They absolutely despise
1: each other. There's no doubt. A quark in, like, uh, you know, they're pretentious. They're omnipotent. Uh, they know nothing. You know, they they pick up your chart right away. A doctor was not yes. even not taking care of you, and he goes, "Nurse, can you tell me what's going on with this patient?" Yes, that's true, right? You know, that's the true. doctor knows nothing, and he's the guy who's going to operate on you. <laughs> He's ready. He say, "Hey, is the team ready in 2 hours? We got to scrub up." Oh, nurse, could you tell me what the problem with this patient is?
15: And you're lucky if he takes out, if he takes out the correct kidney or whatever. That's
1: right. <laughs> or they operate on the wrong side of your head. Uh, oh, you know, I say uh, operating on your brain. <laughs> That's true. And you know something, who do they always blame it on? The nurse. the nurse the nurse they never oh can't be me you know i went to a prestigious medical school in right. uh you know somewhere in the in the caribbean <laughs> in, in an island you can't even pronounce <laughs> Grenada or something. That's right. Maurice Pope College. I learned. I I got my doctor's degree. Grenada. They all go to Grenada to get their medical degrees, right? That's right. All they're doing is they're drinking. Uh, they're drinking out of those uh, coconuts. Strange <laughs> alcohol drinks with little flags in it. And and all of a sudden, they're doctors in Grenada. They get to be witch doctors
5: exactly what and
1: meantime, are. the are. the doctor had the goal the last time when I said to the head nurse, a Filipino woman, he goes, by the way, we're operating on Mr. Sliwa in four hours. Could you tell me uh, what, it, what his problem is? I'm, I'm <laughs> listening to this like you've got to be kidding. <laughs> and did you well, ever I- <laughs> a situation, Heidi, as a nurse? I, one time when I got, I got shot uh, five times with the hollow point bullets, June 19th 1992, there was a whole team. Dr. Pachter, who was from uh, Canarsie, had a team of younger, you know, doctors. I could have swore that one of those doctors who had graduated from uh, Southern Cal University, he was a Trojan, he left his graduation ring in my innards. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) Really? I ain't kidding you. (laughs) Right in my goiter. Oh, no. By the way, I have asked nurses before, where is my goiter? (laughs) You know,
15: where That's is the goiter?
1: <laughs> Not my girdle, where my goiter is.
15: That's your neck area. <laughs> yes. Oh, my
1: God. Okay. I, I I don't know what we're going to do with this new generation of doctors.
15: I don't know. It's awful.
1: And notice, you we wanna... <laughs> we don't have enough nurses now. We don't yeah. have enough nurses.
15: That's true. And it's terrible. During the pandemic, we needed uh, the have uh, COVID, we needed them desperately, and now if, if we don't get the vaccine, it can
1: yeah. go to hell. Now, Heidi, uh, I may need you in a civil court process. It's called family court, divorce court. You may have to testify how uh, my wife, who won't tell me what her age is, that's the other reason uh, for a potential divorce, how she says annoyingly, you know, 70 times in 60 minutes. And how that will drive listeners, Meshug, Ubat's titch. Imagine what it does to her poor husband.
15: Uh, I can imagine.
1: And she wonders. She says to me, how come you don't listen to me? (laughs) You you found out real quick, didn't you, Heidi?
15: I did. Can you believe this? I want to tell you something. Yes, go ahead, Heidi. Between... the ages of 12 and 24, I kept complaining, and, and I kept on. Um, and my waistline, I gained four inches.
5: Four and I inches?
15: Kept, four inches. It's, you were psychic. And I kept complaining, and, kept compl- and I'm, v- I'm very petite. Yes, yeah,
5: very. And
15: petite. I kept complaining that, um, <clears throat> you know, I felt full all the time, but I, I had trouble eating. Mm. So all the, they found out when I was 24 years old, I had a 20 pound. Uh, cyst, it was like a tumor, that they could could not find in, um, what, 12 years. They couldn't feel it, 20 pounds. Wow. Talking about these doctors, isn't that something?
1: That is very true 20. to the point.
15: And, I tell you.
1: And I'm telling you, Heidi, imagine Heidi. here you were walking around with a 20-pound tumor in your stomach, some uh, Dr. Strange Glove you know, at 52 degrees, including from Manchester University. No, 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 not in New Hampshire, but in England, UK. You can't even find the place over there. But he knew what the hell he was doing. Very concerned about this, that Heidi was able to depict what I've known for the past six years, that my wife has this annoying habit of saying, you know, you know, you know, you know, 70 times in 60 minutes. Madonna, my. I read already. And then she wonders why. You don't listen to me. Why should I listen? You're just going to say you know 70 times in 60 minutes. Anyway, let's go to Dan in Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dan, the man.
3: Oh, man. Was that a yet or what, Curtis? <laughs> oh, God. Hey. Yes. Curtis. Yes. Did, uh, did you... uh? Did you find out that restaurant you were talking about in Glendale?
10: That's Zoom Stamish, man.
1: Oh, now I said, say it slowly because I have a very difficult time pronouncing it ever since they threw me out of there. what? Say the name slow. Why'd,
10: that... Why'd they throw you out of there, man? That should have been one of your strongholds.
1: I know. It's right there across the street from the Mickey D's. From the McDonald's, yeah. Cooper Avenue. Cooper Avenue is right there. And yes, sir. I, I was walking in with my two youngest sons. It was Carter and Hunter. They were very young at the time. We were living in Forest Hills. And I walk in there, and this guy is wearing Lederhosen, you know, which meant he's a Catholic from Bavaria. You know, I know the difference between Catholics and Lutherans. So I start laughing at him because, you know, he had these gnarly knees. He's wearing the Lederhosen. He's got that stupid hat on his head with the feather. And he goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and he goes, "Who are you laughing at? You're like a guy in his sixties. You're still wearing a red
3: beret and a red sateen jacket."
1: So we almost started wrestling in the street in Cooper Avenue.
3: Oh my God, Curtis! Oh man, that's your territory over there, man. That, know, everybody in, in this area was yours.
1: Man. Uh, of course, but you know, I said, "Hey, can I come here for my uh, uh, for my knockwurst, my Brockwurst?
12: Your Venus schnitzels?
1: Exactly. And you know what he said? We, we don't take your money here. We don't take your money. He threw me out.
3: Yo, he must have been in cahoots with the Mama Luke, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Lederhosen. The guy was like four foot eight. He's wearing leaderhosen. He's got these gnarly knees. He's got that stupid hat with a feather in it. And he's got suspenders on. I remember that suspenders. Because, well, let's just say his girth. What was Was he playing the harp? (laughs) Oh, so embarrassing. What what was I to say to my youngest sons, Carter and Hunter? This little midget. I mean, uh, short person. I mean, uh, what's the correct term? You can't call them midgets anymore. Pygmies. I can't call them Pygmies. God, short persons, right? Is that okay? A short person, a little person with leader in one of those hats with the feathers in it. And he's wearing suspenders. Oh. My sons were traumatized. I, I wanted, I, I just wanted my knockwurst, my Brockwurst, my Sauerbroughton. And he denied me. You know, I, I, I didn't make a big deal about it. It's not like I went to the Department of Consumer Affairs. It's not like I tried to take his A, because, you know, Germans, everything clean. They get an A grade. Not a roach, not a rat, not a rodent, not the hair of a mouse off my chinny-chin-chin on the floor. Meticulously clean. It's not like I was going to suggest that his letter grade be changed from an A to a D. I'm like, what the hell is he wearing leader hosing for? And then wearing that stupid hat with the feather in it. And I knew he was Roman Catholic, not Lutheran. And I called him out. And then he threw me out and embarrassed me in front of my sons, Carter and Hunter. To this day, they've been traumatized.
0: New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC.
1: Help because a friend's somebody you judge for yourself. Some are okay and they treat you real cool, and some mistake your kindness for being the fool. We like to be with some because they're funny. Others come around when they need some money. Something This has become new the new theme song of Team Cuomo and all the Cuomo I S out ball, ladies there. Ladies and gentlemen, as uh and this this and everybody assembled and for and the and stupid the bowl, th- the th- turlet th- bowl of Whatever they call it, the big game, I call it the Super Bowl. Go ahead, sue me. How ridiculous is this? It's a newsworthy event. Oh, you can't call it by that. This is freaking America, not Red China. Oh, God. Ooh, you can't call it that. You can't call it that. Ooh, well, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? What are they gonna sue me for? I don't have two nickels to rub together. I'm going to have to say, guess what? Get online. I owe lawyers. I owe doctors. I owe child support. What are you going to sue, huh? I'll give you my belly button link. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, time to get back on track because out there in Cuomo land, on the compound of Fredo, a.k.a. Chris Cuomo, there is quite a confab taking place. Led by the patriarch, Andrew Evilize Como, Cuomo, who took over for Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo. There is a sit-down now that the, uh, the man that is uh, dependent on to be the enforcer for Team Cuomo has come back from federal prison. His name is Joe Pococo. He's got quite an array and collection of Louisville sluggers. Autographed by Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, and yes, Rocky Colavito. He drives around in a GTO muscle car. Open up the trunk of his car. There's not a spare tire. There's like 24 Louisville bats. Half of them are aluminum, half of them are wood because he's a leg breaker. And now Team Como wants vengeance. They feel that they have been smittenly attacked by a series of former Cuomoites who took advantage of the weakened position of Andrew evilized Cuomo, the perv governor. In fact, there's certain people all along the way who have feared this man. People who now feel that they should be running for governor of the state of New York. And they're raising millions and millions of dollars saying that they would not be like Cuomo was. I and me instead of us and we. They're going around saying that look, Kathy Hokum, and I call her Hokum because it means nonsense. Uh, pales in comparison to what Andrew evilized Como was in the executive wing of the governor's uh, of the governor's office in the legislative building in Albany. And now we have found a clip that is going to haunt this man who wants to become the next governor of the state of New York over my dead body. We know there's Governor Hochul who's running for re-election. She has amassed close to $25 million in her war chest. Do you think people who have contributed to Kathy Hokum? Have done so because they say, Oh, Kathy, I'm enamored in everything you stand for. They've wined her, dined her, and pocket lined her. Standing beside her, although towering over her, when she was the lieutenant governor was Andrew Evilized Cuomo. He has a, uh, a treasury of $16 million that he is prepared to spend in an election cycle. Now, those are the Democrats. And then you have Jumani Williams who hates the police, who hates prisons, who hates law and order. And yet the sanctimonious hypocrite, like most uh, Republicans and Democrats he, that, uh, that they are, he is the public advocate. He has his beak in the trough of the public trust. A public advocate position, no matter who serves in it, is a fake, phony, fraudulent position in which you do nothing. You're given money to be able to run for higher office, and almost all of them do. Going back to Mark Green when the position was uh, created, Mark Green ran for every conceivable office in the state of New York. Thank God he almost inevitably always lost. Betsy got My God, they told uh, Michael Bloomberg at the time who loved to fly helicopters, like Jeff Bezos does, don't fly a helicopter because if something happens to you, Betsy Gompound, the public advocate, becomes mayor of the city of New York. So he said, I won't fly helicopters anymore. She's the only one not to go on to run for higher office and misuse her position. We saw what happened with comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, uh, who right now every night is going puff, puff, pass, puff, puff, pass, as he walks to the corner of 7th Avenue and 11th Street in Park Slope, where he owns two homes. And he is hitting up his Rastafari drug connection for nickel and dime bags of Maui, Waui, and Hindu Kush. And then, of course, Tish James. Tish James, who is now the state attorney general, and it seems she has a clear path to reelection. in the fact that we believe, but we're not sure, that Andrew Evil Cuomo has said, I'm not going to use my $12 million amassed in my war chest. Make that $16 million to run against you. Although I don't believe that. And now she's being endorsed by everybody. But she used the position of public advocate basically uh, to use the public trust to run for higher office. And now, likewise, Trumani Williams, who has the chutzpah to live in the active garrison of Fort. Wow. <laughs> Fort Hamilton in the shadow of the Verrazano Bridge. He lives there. He's got to show papers every day to the military police when he goes in. And is protected more so than any other elected official in the city of New York, even though he hates the police, hates the correctional officers, and loves thugs. And he's running for governor. And then there's the pretty boy, Tom Swasey, who was the congressman. Of the district who, if you look at the redistricting out there, now consists of a splotch of Nassau County, a splotch of Suffolk County, a little smidgen of Queens, a little smidgen of the Bronx, and then a whole lot of Westchester going up to ride. He wants to be governor and win the Democratic primary. Not going to happen, pretty boy Swazi. But let's look at the Republican side. You would think the Republicans hate Cuomo, right? Any Republican running for office, right? That would be the common commonality between them. And there are now three, maybe a fourth will announce. So let's look at all of them. There is Congressman Lee Zeldin, who announced early and has amassed the most money and is the chosen uh, candidate to replace uh, Kathy Holcomb by the bosses of the GOP. Then there is the son of Rudy Giuliani, the man I'm supporting, Andrew Giuliani who is ahead in the polls. Then there is uh, Rob Astorino, the former Westchester County executive, who actually gave uh, Andrew Evil Cuomo a good run for his money once before, gathered about 40% of the vote, was not supported, though, by many of the leadership of the Republican Party, who secretly were Cuomoites. And then there's a guy named Harry Wilson, who's really a Greek, by the way, what is Harry uh, Harry Wilson's real Greek name? That's the trivia question that I pose to all of you. A person of no consequence, Harry Wilson, who had run as a Republican candidate for state controller against Tom DiNapoli and did extraordinarily well. Apparently, he wants to run. The Greek who's hiding his Greekishness—is that a word? Greekishness. Behind a wasp name named Harry Wilson. Although he's apparently he's got a lot of moolish moolah. He's got a lot of euros. He's got a lot of ducats. He's got a lot of cheddar. But he hasn't officially announced yet. So you would figure with all those people vying to become governor of the state of New York, the Republicans would never, ever, ever want to be associated with Andrew evilized Como. Cuomo. The son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, right? It makes common sense. I want you to listen to this uh, piece of audio that I have come across. I'm not saying I've come across it nefariously, but hey, they were digging uh, during my campaign for mayor, digging, 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 anything I had said over 30 years of talk radio, all the time on talk TV on New York One with my partner, Herson Barrero for 13 years, and my many appearances in the morning of Good Day Early Call New York on Channel 5. Oh, they were digging, 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 digging. I want you to listen to uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin
2: right here. On a personal note, I want to say thank you to the governor for your unyielding leadership and vision and commitment to Long Islanders, not just the fishing community, but to all of us, to the taxpayers. Um, You know, I've been we've all been observing what's going on in other levels of government. And we've all been paying close attention to Washington and putting all politics aside. I would honestly say that if uh, if if you were in the White House right now, our nation would be in a better place today than it is.
1: That's heresy. Did I hear what I thought I heard? That the U.S. would be a better place with Andrew Cuomo as president. This coming from the Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin from Suffolk County. Maestro, cue that up again. Uh, that That had to be what? Audio photoshopped? Is that what they call it? Say it ain't so,
2: Lee. Say it ain't so. On a personal note, I want to say thank you to the governor for your unyielding leadership and vision and commitment long islanders not just the fishing community but to all of us to the taxpayers um you know i've been we've all been observing what's going on in other levels of government and we've all been paying close attention to washington and putting all politics aside i would honestly say that if uh, if if you were in the white house right now our nation would be in a better place today than it is
1: That was Congressman Lee Zeldin kissing the tuchus, the dupa, of then-Governor Andrew Evelice Cuomo. Yes, you. I know, ladies and gentlemen, this is a little shocking, but he suggested that the U.S. would be a better place with Andrew Cuomo as president. That disqualifies him as a candidate to become the Republican nominee to take on Kathy Holcomb. Uh, and there is a Republican convention coming up uh, in just a few weeks, the end of this month. I'll certainly attempt to be there. I have not received my credentials. How do you like this? I just ran for mayor of the city of New York as a Republican. I haven't even been given credentials. Curtis who? It's like they forgot me already. Do you think I'm going to let them keep me out of the convention? Come on. yeah, you, you know Curtis Lee were long enough. Come on, right? But, you know... The GOP bosses, they're like, we never liked him to begin with. He wasn't part of our country club. He was a little urchin there in that red beret. Why don't you fetch me a dry martini, Sliwa? Oh, I'm showing up. Uh, Meantime, the Democrats are having their state convention first for their coronation of Kathy Holcomb, Tish James, and Tom DeNapoli. And guess who's giving the keynote speech? Hillary Rodham Clinton. Tell me she ain't running against Joe Biden, who ain't going to run for president again. Uh, and uh, Harris, who's still trying to find the border that separates Mexico from the United States. Oh, my God. one 800 let us go to Stewart, who's calling from Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC,
12: Stu. Hey Curtis, Stewart from Forest Hills. One of your maximum donors. You probably know me. Now I want to give you the counterpoint. When Lee Zeldin said that, that was 2011. When Cuomo was right of center. When you're when you're condemning him, this is when we know about the nursing homes. We know he turned left with with, with the bail reform. This was 11 years ago. Cuomo wasn't the same person. But if we put our money wait, on the... Wait, wait, on, wait, wait, on Andrew, wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, Cuomo wasn't the same person?
12: He what? worked with the Republican Senate. He pushed the Republican Senate Stewart. against the Democrats. Stewart. He was a right-of-center Democrats 10 years ago. You know that, Curtis. Come on. You know first that. off, you first off did, you
1: me, did you give me money? I'm going to send that money back to you. And I'm going to send it to your COD. Get the hell out of here. They're everywhere, the apologists. They emerge like out of a swamp. He knew not what he was doing. He said that Andrew Cuomo should become the president of the United States. That's when Cuomo was nice to Republicans. Oh, and you wouldn't vote for a Republican? He's a plant. I'm one of your best stoners. Guess what, pal? You gave me $2.50, I'm going to send it back to you. Maybe with an extra 50 cents, you can get yourself a metro card. Can you believe this? Because they know I found it. Ah, finders keepers, losers, weepers. Anyway, let's uh, go back to the fountains. Some were trying to sabotage us there. But let's go to Paul, who's calling for Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paul. Paul has disappeared into that abyss. He's been in, in the swamp. He's one of those swamp monsters. Let's go to Michael's calling from Ridgewood, New Jersey. It's your turn to be heard here at WABC. Michael? Curtis,
12: I have great news for you. The Ridgewood duck pond is being dredged, is being dug up. I saw the trucks there yesterday. As uh, the counselor was taking me to uh, Barnes and Noble in Ridgewood in Paramus,
1: I just right. say, hold on a second, Michael. This has shocked me down to the marrow of my bone. I spent many a day feeding those little ducklings in that little duck pond in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Oh God!
12: Well, the ducks will find the Hohokus Brook. Compatible with what they need.
1: And wait, wait, wait. Michael, if memory serves me correct, I remember the stench of Hohokus that twirled the hairs in my nostrils from the pig
12: farms there. Well, am I correct? I think so. I never noticed a stench. Wait, the wait, stench wait, wait, you are probably wait. referring to is the Saddle River.
1: Saddle River? Wait a second. Upscale Saddle River, where they have... Coyotes on the loose. Saddle River, the last place that former President Richard Nixon lived. Is that the Saddle River you're talking about, Michael? Yes, I am. By the way, I had a confrontation with Canada Goose, a.k.a. Canadian Geese. I was visiting Saddle River at the time, and I had taken my oldest son, Anthony, who was quite young at the time, to a nearby playground in Saddle River, and there were 24 of these illegal aliens there, these Canada goose, Canadian geese, and they had pooped all over the playground. And I went to grab one of those little varmints, and I slipped on the poop, and I slid, and there was Canadian goose poop all over me, Michael. I wanted them rounded up. I wanted them deported back to Trudeau Jr. They belong in Canada, not here.
12: Well. They used to come here and then go back to Canada. But they now like it here because the winters are warmer than in Canada.
1: <sighs> the duck pond is gone. In Richwood, New Jersey. Oh, there was a haberdashery just across. What was the name of that haberdashery? What was the name of that suit shop? had shiny suits, shiny suits. You buy that suit there, they customize it, and it would shine in the dark. 1-800-848-9222. That's one eight hundred eight four eight 848 Let's go to Elena in Teaneck, New Jersey, not far from Ridgewood. Your turn to be heard here, WABC, Elena.
14: Curtis. Yes. You're worth a lot of mooga. Ooh. Yeah, Ola that in your goiter.
1: Ah, uh, yes.
14: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you find it, you can pay off some of the bills.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've got many bills. You know that.
14: There you go. But I have a suggestion for your you-know-you-know-you-know problem.
1: This could be created chasm uh, in our relationship. Uh, Nancy is the best, no doubt about it. But this... Habit that's been brought to my attention by Helena, the real Yenta Uh out there. Heidi, it was. Uh,
14: uh, Helena has a suggestion that'll make Nancy actually shine. She'll love this. What is that? She can look up Toastmasters International. Mm. That's a great organization, but it's a growth and development organization for leadership. And communication, and you would be the best Toastmasters table topics man in that whole organization. It's international, and you would probably be the best.
1: Wow, that is incredible! I never thought of that. My wife does does need to mature. Some people have gone up to him, uh, excuse me, to her, and have said, "What is it like to have uh, Curtis as your grandfather?"
14: Oh no! Oh, you know what? in toastmaster she can actually develop the art and the skill of knocking them off their feet gently and politely
1: now but this this this, this this tick of hers as heidi mentioned saying you know 70 times within 60 minutes that may be difficult to extricate elena
14: actually no because the See, I belong to Toastmasters, so she's not the only one. There's so many people that say, you know, you know, you know, my sister Orisha did that all the time. Mm. But in Toastmasters, somehow they do this this, this communication magic where you hear yourself and then you just don't do it anymore.
1: (laughs) Well, Elena, I hear myself over and over. I have headphones on. In fact part of the reason that I do this program is that I can hear myself and then sometimes I play back the programs and it puts me to sleep you want something to put you to sleep everybody always looks for that conic elixir ah uh, they have uh Somonex. remember that was the old Salmon X? and then uh what, 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 what's the uh what's the uh tiger tiger uh tiger method ambient right ambient Yeah, the Kennedy method also. Uh, they take Ambien, and then all of a sudden, they're up at 3 o'clock in the morning, driving around in a frenzy, crashing into barricades, uh, and they use Ambien to put themselves to sleep or put themselves in jail. You don't have to do any of that. I suggest that if you are sleep-deprived, as many people are, you go to WABCradio.com, and you go to the Curtis Sleeper podcast. You play me over and over, and I guarantee you, you'll fall asleep within 30 seconds, maybe 45, maybe 60 seconds the max. It works for me every time. I mean, why, would, why the hell would I want to listen to myself a second time when I wasn't happy listening to it the first time? It is a great way of inducing sleep. Just listen to Curtis Sliwa on the podcast, and you will be, you will be peeling paint. Let's go to Suzanne in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Suzanne.
17: Hey there. Listen, Curtis, um, I'm very, like, uh, excited and um, optimistic about uh, Andrew Giuliani. And I I totally appreciate everything you've done in your uh, political guardian angel, your broadcasting, um, and that – I know that uh, you, in in New York City there's like a distancing from uh, Donald Trump, but uh, statewide, if I'm correct, uh, Donald Trump won 96% of the counties, and that Ro- uh, that uh, Andrew sat at uh, the right hand of Donald Trump uh, during many of his very successful. Executive orders and um, policies.
1: No, yeah, yeah. I as think as well, uh, I think Suzanne, you're confusing Andrew for Rudy. Although Andrew Giuliani is a Trumper, there's no doubt about it. Uh, as is Rudy. Obviously, I'm not a Trumper. People know that. Uh, I've had a love-hate uh, relationship with Donald Trump when he was citizen Trump and when he was president, and now that he's back to being citizen. But I will tell you this: he can win. He's ahead in the pulse. I mean, when you hear comments like Lee Zeldon, could I hear that again, Maestro? Because I couldn't believe what I found out there. A guy who would like to be governor of the state of New York over my dead body. It's a cool? personal
2: note. I want to say thank you to the governor for your unyielding leadership and vision and commitment to Long Islanders. Not just the fishing community, but to all of us, to the taxpayers. Um you know, I've been. We've all been observing what's going on in other levels of government, and we've all been paying close attention to Washington. And putting all politics aside, I would honestly say that if uh, if, if you were in the White House right now, our nation would be in a better place today than it is.
1: Oh my God! He was swapping spit with Andrew Cuomo, locking lips. How embarrassing! Come on, Lee. How could you? Andrew evilized Cuomo, the son of Mario Fancho Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, whose brother Fredo is now hunkered down. They're hitting the mattresses, stirring the marinara sauce. Don't tell me, Lee, that's in his congressional district. Is hitting the mattresses and stirring the marinara sauce. Hopefully the food they're serving you is kosher. Oh, my God. How do you explain that? You see that call. Oh, well, you know, that was years ago. Well, uh, Cuomo was like a Republican. Really? I never knew him to be a Republican. <laughs> you can see this is going to be good. I'm going to want to see how he explains this. This is like Ricky Ricardo saying, I got a lot of explaining to do. He didn't just say, oh, Cuomo's a good governor. He said the U.S. would be a better place with Andrew Cuomo as president. Oh, my God. Anyway, let's go to the phones. To Zoe in Maui. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Zoe.
18: Hi, Curtis. I I was hoping you could solve a puzzle or an argument between my boyfriend and me. Ooh. Yes. So one night we were talking recently about driving into New York City in the 1970s. And I was a kid then. And when we used to drive in, our parents would say, close all the doors, shut all the doors, close all the windows. And as soon as we crossed into the Lincoln Tunnel, there were men that were coming around with buckets and trying to clean the cars. And he said, well, that didn't happen in the 70s. He said the squeegee men didn't come until the 80s. And I said, well, maybe they weren't, didn't have squeegees in the 70s, mm. but they had, you know, rags and buckets and, you know, they would mess up your car if you didn't tip them 2 or $3. So because you have such a long history of what's been going on in New York City, who's right?
1: Uh, Zoe, what is the name of your boyfriend? Rich. Okay. So there's Rich and Zoe. We're on the cusp of St. Valentine's Day. So if I side with Rich, you're going to be mad if I side with no, you. So no, we... no, no,
18: no, 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 we're not like that.
1: <laughs> well, that's what you say now. But then when all of a sudden you hear my answer, you'll be at each other's throats right before Valentine's Day.
18: That's okay. We're willing to take that risk.
1: Okay. You're willing to take that risk. <laughs> ah, God, I feel like a homewrecker here.
18: Uh, no, you're not. It's
1: right. okay. Um, hmm. Wow, how do I handle this? Um, put her, put them on hold. I got to be very judicious about this. I mean, th- we're on the cusp of Valentine's Day. You know, people think I'm a uh, crabby crumb cake, a grumpy guy to begin with who takes grumpy pills. I do not want to destroy a relationship because you know as much as Zoe says, oh, no, it won't. You imagine if I signed with her over him? He's going to be, oh. Well, boy, well, you got a thing with Curtis that he took your side? And then all of a sudden, if I side with him over her, she'll oh, that typical of men. They always back one another. Let me uh, go keep her on hold. I got to think about this. I really got to think about this. Whew. Boy, put me in a tough dilemma. I got to, well, we're all going to hear from you know. We're gonna, that's That's my wife's new nickname, you know. Uh, In the 12 o'clock hour. Actually, it's the most requested, most listened to hour of the many hours that I do on the weekends. When WABC, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis, Uh, all issues animal we discuss from A to Z. Dogs and cats and koala bears and horses and bears. Horses and bears. Horses and bears. And tigers and bears. And horses and bears. You name it, we discuss it. You can ask any question under the sun. My wife is a uh, cat rescuer like you've never seen who, when she's rescuing cats, always says, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Hey, Curtis, how come you're not listening to me? Well, now you know. 1-800-848-9222.
0: George Talk Station with the King of New York. Curtis Lewa 77 WABC.
1: Ah it's time for us to talk about the geriatric espresso sipping psychotic killers of organized crime. Friends of Morano, F O M. But before we uh, delve into our latest endeavor involving the mobsters choking on their lobsters, let's go back to Zoe, if we can, to see if she's sitting there with Rich. Uh, are you still there, Zoe? Are you still there?
18: Hi. Oh, yeah, I, I am. I am here. Okay. Um, he's at his house. All right. So.
1: You're waiting patiently? Yes. Yeah. Okay, because you know I have to make a choice as to whether the squeegee men first appeared in the 70s. Or in the 80s. And you believe it was in the 70s, and your boyfriend on the cusp of St. Valentine's Day believes it's in the 80s, correct?
18: Right. And I said to him, maybe they didn't have squeegees in the 80s, I mean, in the 70s, but they were definitely, I recall, maybe my memory is wrong, that they were approaching the car, and, you know, sometimes my dad would just give them a dollar to. The, Send them
1: away. Okay. Well, not, I'm not doubting you, nor am I doubting Rich. I'm just trying to figure out how to be Switzerland here, so that <laughs> so that you can end up enjoying a great St. Valentine's Day. So I'm just going to park you on the side momentarily. Park uh, Zoe on the side. Put her on the shelf. Well, I got to be really diplomatic with this. God, people think that I'm already a curmudgeon, that I take grumpy pills. That I can be harsh, brutal, over the top, and I can be. I mean, look, I can take your head and it can meet the curb faster than you can even say your name. But this is Zoe. This is Rich. This is Amor Amor. This is St. Valentine's Day. Now, let me take a brief break here because I have a story about Frank Morano's friends, but before we do that, Frank is trying to usurp me. As the guy who knows about the five families of organized crime. Make that six when you include the Cuomo family. And let's throw in a seventh, the Clinton family. But right now, Frank Marano has a podcast that you can actually listen to that is not his program, it's separate and distinct. You go to wabcradio.com, and it is the Mob Racket Report. And when you look at the picture of Frank Murano on that podcast, he looks like he's a wise guy. You know, he always wanted to be a wise guy. He always dreamed of being a wise guy. You know, like Sid Rosenberg in The Morning Show always dreamed of being an Italian and not a Jew. But well, you got to take a look at his picture. He's putting his chest out there. You know, when they put the handcuffs on him, you know, they're going to have to actually put chains around his his his. His wrists, because normal handcuffs won't fit him. How many cannolis has he been eating lately? Anyway, let's listen to his most recent Mob Racket report. And it's talking about Vinny the... Chin Gigante.
19: Even uh, Chin himself admitted that it was a masquerade. So there's very little doubt that he was not crazy, that he was pretending to be crazy, right?
10: Oh, yeah. John Pritchard, who, who was the head of the uh, Genevieve squad for the FBI, w- was quite proud of saying, like, I was the first guy who said it, crazy as a fox. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was a whole production. I remember when the Times put a picture of him on the front page in maybe the mid-80s, you know, of, of him wandering up Sullivan Street and off with with Father Louie at his side you know he would be stopping and talking to parking meters i mean it was it was a whole production really you know what i mean and he invested a lot of time wardrobe right always a big floppy hat and a bathrobe and slippers no matter summer fall winter spring it worked for a long time how did that you know, get he, started that i mean
19: that routine to pretend to be crazy to avoid going to prison
10: he was on trial in the uh, Old Japan, New Jersey, where he briefly lived with, with uh, his wife and, and kids. And uh, he was charged with bribing the entire police force in Old Japan, which I think was six six cops. And uh, in the middle of the trial, you know, maybe he was feeling nervous. Maybe he was feeling anxious. I don't know. But he checks into, uh, into the hospital for treatment of, uh, you know, a mental illness or, you know, angst, whatever. And uh, he comes out and... Uh, you know, they're allowed to delay the trial a little bit. It's a nice break. And I think he realizes, like, hey, I might be onto something here. You know what I mean? He went back. To this same facility in Westchester County. I believe the number is 27 times over the year. It became like a, a vacation almost. You know what I mean? Like you or I might go down the Jersey Shore. Sure. He sure. would go up to Westchester County and spend, you know, 8, 12, 14 days up there, recharge his batteries, keep the uh, mental health ruse going, and then come back to work. Ah. From Frank
1: Morano getting a guest on. His uh, podcast called Mob Racket Report was telling us about the life and times of Vinny the Chin Gigante. Who would roam about Greenwich Village near Washington Square Park. Not far from where Frank Morano was a gold brick. His family wasting $55,000 a year to send him to NYU. Where the Rastafari were in the park selling nickel and dime bags. While Vinny the Chin was in his bathrobe and his Irish walking cap, talking to telephone posts. All a roose. And then, if you went to the uh, Triangle Club, which was over on Sullivan, the social club for the wise guys of the Genovese crime family, there was Benny Eggs Mangano would say, Curtis, come here. You know what we do to guys who give us a hard time in the neighborhood? I'd say, well, what? Eggs, eggs, Benny Eggs, what do you do? We break their arm, we break their leg, so they got to wear a cast. This way, when they're hobbling around there for like six weeks, eight weeks, everybody knows they crossed the Genovese crime family. And the next time, there won't be a cast. They'll be swimming in the Hudson River. I say, hey, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Benny eggs, mangano. I'm still trying to figure out what to do with Zoe and Richie. This is really going to bust somebody's bubble there. I know it's going to affect them negatively for their St. Valentine's Day spectacular tomorrow. And then I'm also concerned how I'm going to deal with my wife who has been cold busted for saying, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, 70 times within her hour report on animal welfare issues that's coming up at 12 noon. Heidi busted her and then the Toastmaster General uh, busted her, whatever her name was wondering what to do one eight hundred eight let us go to william who's calling from central jersey your turn to be heard here at wabc william
9: uh curtis i just can't understand why you let frank barano like take over the you know the the mob uh you know, short stories that you are so, you know, well-versed in. Like, I don't know how he trumped you, and I want you to bring your show back and, like, you know, pipe that up again because you got the greatest stories out there. I mean, you tell the truth, Curtis. Now, William, uh, you do remember
1: there was a time in which I would speak uh, on a regular basis about the geriatric espresso-sipping psychotic killers of... uh, Organized crime. It was called Curtis Lewis Mob Talk. Remember?
9: Oh, I remember. And then the music. And I was like, "Yeah, Curtis is going to bring that back." I'm like, "Cool." And you like you tell those stories. It's like you know. And you could do such a better job than Mr. Morano. Like you should have your own uh, podcast. How about competing podcasts? I like the idea. I like it.
1: We'll call it the Sickle Fantoni and Lackey Mob Racket Report by Frank Marano, the wannabe mobster. And then uh, we'll call me the uh, seed of Rudy Giuliani. He busted the five families of organized crime, and I fought them knuckle to knuckle, spinning hook kick by spinning hook kick. How do you like that, huh? What do you think, William?
9: my father would say curtis is like playing with fire that uh, the way you would step on that man i'd be like frightened for some of the things that you would say he goes man curtis is wild that is true
1: and uh, i got some lead poisoning as a result of that but you are right how could i avoid my mission which is to take on the mobsters choking on their lobsters, shout the rules, the knuckle-draggers, the gavons out there, the uh, supreme cougines. I must do this, William. I must do this. Let me just say, oh, I still got Zoe dealing with Rich, and then my wife, who's coming on at 12, the Animal Welfare Report, who keeps saying, you know, you know, you know, 70 times within 60 minutes. Oh, this is going to be a rough Valentine's Day. This is going to be tough for Zoe, tough for Rich, and tough for Curtis Sliwa. But I must plunge forward. My orders come from William in central New Jersey. There are legions of individuals who want to know what the Mob Talk update is. This has to do with a very dear friend of Frank Marano. In fact, we'll call it Leave the Gun and Check the Wi-Fi. They like that. Leave the gun and check the Wi-Fi as opposed to leave the guns and bring the cannolis. Well, John Gotti Sr.'s daughter that Frank knows very well. In fact, I think there was a time before he met Rachel that he was actually snacking on her. Her name was Angel. And when... uh, John Gotti Jr. was being prosecuted uh, by the federal government four times, four times in the Southern District of New York for the uh, attempted kidnapping killing of yours truly. Frank Morano didn't sit on my side of the trial area. He sat on the side of the Gottis, my enemies, side by side with Angel Gotti. Oh, and you could see the little hearts going back and forth. He his heart was fluttering because finally, a supreme cushionette was paying attention to Frank Morano, who previous to that was a real schlub, a real pisser, a real schmendrick. And so this is the story of Angel Gotti, and her son Frank Gotti Albano. Notice middle name Gotti. They can't seem to escape that. And they're suing this guy of named Gene Borello for ten million dollars. Well, this is quite the improvement. Normally they would have gone and shot him in the head, right? And dumped his body in Spring Creek between Howard Beach and East New York. We're making some improvements here. You actually are going to court, civil court, and suing this guy, Barello They claim in court papers that he is a cyber stalker and a destroyer of all humanity. Here is Angel Gotti and her. Her kid, Frank Gotti Albano. They're not a kid. He ain't no kid no more. I think he's like 40. And they claim that this Gene Borello kidnapped an Instagram account and ended up pumping out misinformation, very Joe Rogan I might add. Misinformation claiming that both the mother, Angel Gotti, and the son, Frank Gotti Albano, were drug addicts, were rats and were photoshopped as if they were porn stars and starlets. Now, years ago, that would have gotten this guy two bullets in the back of his head, Borrello. But no, they're more civilized now. They're taking it to civil court. Apparently, Borrello himself, a member of the Banano crime family... By the way, if you've ever been to Howard Beach, old Howard Beach on one side of Cross Bay Boulevard are the Bananos. New Howard Beach, the bigger developments... Are Gambinos, but they always got together. Like in Canarsie, where I grew up, on one side of Avenue L with the Gambinos, the other side, the Lucchese's, and they always got together. And so here is Borello, and they claim that he was a rat who put away 24 wise guys. And he does a podcast with a guy I know well called Johnny A. Light. And they claim in their papers, I'm reading from right now, they say, Borrello, who was a member of the Banano crime-fighting family, was guilty of shootings, brutal assaults, home invasions, armed robberies, arsons, and is out now on supervised release. By the way, look who's entered the room. Are you defending the honor of your former girlfriend, angel Gotti who had the huts for you as you did for her
19: well i, I do not know that she had the huts uh, for me i think she might have been married at the time i certainly had the hots for her and uh, i will tell you angel is a very close friend has been for a long time i've known her for 17 years i know her son frank very well and none of them neither of the two of them have ever gotten in trouble for anything. They've never even been in trouble for jaywalking. They've never been in trouble with the law. There's no allegation they've ever been involved with organized crime. And for a degenerate like this, um, who's who has two claims to fame, one is being a a a, a rat who, rather than pay the piper, the piper for his own criminality, he chose instead to rat on all of his criminal cohorts and then... To partner with somebody who has never done anything other than try to capitalize off of the name Gotti, that's John, John A. Light, another person who uh, a st- escaped a lengthy prison sentence for ratting and lying, according to the jurors that I interviewed during that fourth trial of John Gotti Jr., lying about uh, a, a wide variety of things. So Now, now
1: I must ask you, Frank, because on the occasions that I testified, I was not permitted to be in court on the other occasions. I would look over into the peanut gallery, and there were many Gottis there and Gotti family members, but you always seemed to be sitting next to Angel. Well, not, not always, is, that. but often. How did that work
19: out? Well, I'll be honest. Angel is the oldest of the children of John and Victoria Gotti, and... Um, in many respects, and I get along with, with all of their living children, but in many respects, she is the most uh, grounded and the most down-to-earth out of uh, all of her siblings because uh, you know she never became a mob boss or a reality star or a gambling addict. She was a nurse and uh, is very just devoted to pets and things like that uh, because she was already an adult at the time that her father became a mob boss. The other children... We're not. So everyone always treated the rest of them a little different because of who their father was, either better or worse. Angel never had that. She had a pretty normal upbringing, so she tends to be a little uh, a little more grounded. I hope she wins this lawsuit because it will send a message that you don't get to cyberbully people and lie about them and harass them online just because of who their father or their grandfather You know,
1: it's amazing progression that has occurred. Uh, I recently appeared on that show The Last Gangster – focused on Sammy DeBull, Gravano, and his family, and John Gotti Jr., and Michael Francisi, and others. And at the end of it, I said, isn't it amazing? These were guys who would have easily killed one another in what they've just said on this program. And now, instead of shooting one another, they argue on podcasts.
19: It, it is interesting. And in this
1: changed. case, Angel, instead of taking the nefarious measures to settle her differences with Borello. Is going to civil court.
19: Yeah. Well, look, she she has never had any history of breaking any laws, so oh, it doesn't su- oh, surprise me at oh, all. I actually complimented it's Angel. It's true.
1: Although I could never quite figure out why you were always so coochie coochie with Angel during the trial there, Frank. Notice
19: she's blushing. I, I'm not. It's the. I just came in from the cold. My face is red from yes. that. Oh, yes. well, thank you, Frank.
1: Uh, yes. By the way, uh, you'll have to help me. Apparently, my wife Nancy has been ratted out by Heidi, who had no nice things to say about you, Frank. Yeah,
19: I was listening. Uh, my goodness. Uh, I don't know what I ever did to that lady. But
1: apparently, Nancy uh, used the term "you know" seventy times within sixty minutes for the animal welfare update that comes before. Uh, You take over the microphones for The Other Side of Midnight. And, oh, my God, the things she said about you,
19: Frank. I heard. I was listening on the way in. Oh, God. Very rude. (laughs) (laughs) Boorish, right? Heidi, a real yenta. And then,
1: naturally, what am I to do here? I have quite a dilemma. There's Zoe and there's her boyfriend, Rich. If I answer this question, you you can put them up there. If I answer this question in the affirmative for Zoe... Uh, in which she said she remembers seeing squeegee men in the seventies. Her, her, I think
19: Eric Adams said he was a squeegee man.
1: Yeah, well we know he lies about everything. He is the Biden of Brooklyn, and we know Biden makes up stories. So Zoe believes she first saw them in the seventies when uh, it was required to ride in the back of the car and listen to Curtis on WABC. Uh, she came in to see Shaw, the squeegee posse there. Her father giving like a dollar or so, and then Rich. Her boyfriend, who she assures me will not be insulted if I don't side with him, who is in another house at this moment, claims that they came about in the 80s. So now I have to be very precarious that I don't break up this relationship on the cusp of St. Valentine's Day. So, Zoe, uh, uh, you've been patiently waiting on the line. Mm -hmm. Is Rich uh, at his domicile?
18: Uh, Yes, but he is asleep.
1: Is he, oh, he's asleep. Oh,
18: yes, yes. So he so, does. He uh, does. But, he, but he, we he, can. We play the broadcast, so it's okay.
1: Well, you don't necessarily have to do that.
20: <laughs>
1: uh, the actual squeegee posses came about in the seventies.
20: Ah, okay.
1: Without a doubt. Okay. Now, how are you going to break this to him? Uh, you are. What plans do you have for Saint Valentine's Day?
18: Uh, we will get together in the evening.
1: Okay. Uh, do you know, is this going to be a surprise that Rich springs on you or do you already pretty much know what you'll be doing for St. Valentine's Day with your boyfriend, Rich? Uh,
18: we're going to have dinner together. Okay. So we know what we're going to do. All right. And we're going to watch TV. All
1: right. Now, how do you break this to him without destroying the dinner? And then he gets up, you know, in a macho, maniacal, huff and puff attitude, like you're going to listen to him, you're going to believe him rather than believe me.
18: No, he respects your 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 such deep knowledge of New York City history that he will say, okay, if Curtis says so, then he's right, oh. and I was right.
1: Oh, don't <laughs> you buy that? You know, yes. Do you know how guys are, Zoe? Yes, I do. Now, if I had sided with him and said squeegee posses came about in the 80s, he'd say, you see, Zoe, you see, don't ever think that you would know more about squeegee posses than me. He is going to be insulted. He won't say anything. You'll get through the hors d'oeuvres. You'll have a few glasses of wine. And then loose lips will sink ships. The macho, maniacal tendencies of guys come out at that moment, and he will give you the litmus test. <gasps> he will say, "Quote and don't tell you don't do not break this news to him." He will say, "Zoe, this comes down to loyalty. <laughs> are you going to believe Curtis, or are you going to believe me?" And now you have a dilemma. And this is what I would suggest that you do. Okay. Like women have had to do all through the centuries. Placate the savage beast. (laughs) Tell him Curtis is, he's getting up there in age, you know, maybe on the cusp of having dementia or Alzheimer's. You know, he's been forgetful of late when I've been listening. Callers have had to give him constructive criticism to sort of straighten him out. You see, that's, that's how you assuage him, because I'm telling you, he, he, uh, when all is said and done, he may respect me, but as a man, he's going to want to feel that, no, 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 it's my way or the highway. I don't want it to get to that at the end of this, what will be a voluptuous evening. He'll probably come with uh, flowers, right?
18: Yes.
1: And what kind of flowers do you assume that Rich will bring you?
18: Oh, roses. Always
1: roses. You don't want those roses wilting. Roses yeah. do not like confrontation. I don't care how many St. Joseph baby aspirants you put in the vase there to keep the roses uh, living a little longer. Roses do not like confrontation. I'm trying to avoid this, Zoe. So please, it's up to you. Now that I've told you the truth of the matter, you got to break it to him slowly And do it to him before he's had two glasses of wine before he's half in the bag. Okay. (laughs) Now get back to us, Zoe. Next week, same time, same place. If you're still with him or if all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in and let us know exactly I have how it complete went.
18: We faith we will still be a couple. Well, so thank you for settling this. One we one, one, one it.
1: second, Zoe. Uh a lot will be determined by the menu items. Uh what will you probably order,
18: Zoe? Oh, uh well, actually we're going to order Jersey Mike's because we're going to spend the um evening with his mom. No. <laughs> yep, it's her favorite meal.
5: No. Yep. So
18: we it's yep. Valentine's Day. We can do something else on another day. You it's okay. tell his mom to stay at home. She is at home. What, what <laughs> We're going to visit her.
1: <laughs> don't, don't tell me that she's a chaperone.
18: No, no, no. Is no. she a, she's, she's is, lonely, is, she a
1: Sicilian mountain woman with a little mustache who follows you from like 20 feet away, looking at you, making sure that the both of you stay on the straight and narrow?
15: Oh,
18: no. Oh, no not like that at all. She's very sweet and very accepting and uh, mature and lively and alert. Oh, God. lots of fun. What a
1: mistake I made. I should have said the 80s. Because (laughs) now you're going to say to your boyfriend while his mother is there, Curtis agreed with me, not with you, Richie.
18: No, that's no, no, no. It won't work. It won't come out that way. But I bet you next week we'll still be friends.
1: Hmm, you didn't seem that sure about that. Who the hell would go to a St. Valentine's Day dinner and bring their mother while they're with their girl? This guy is really a Mama Luke. I mean, Rich sounds like, like Frank Marano, a Mama Luke. Who the hell takes his girlfriend out for dinner on St. Valentine's Day and brings his mother? Doesn't Zoe know she'll never live up to be as good as mommy? This is typical of what Italian guys do. They live at home until they're forty-five years old because mommy irons their BVDs and their fruit of the loom and puts starch in it too. Can anybody fluff a pillow and make a bed like mommy can?
0: Ask Vito, ask Sal, ask Tommy. The Curtis Lewa Show presents Curtis's Art. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now here's Curtis Lewa.
1: Dean, what happened to the big opening? Uh this is the short and truncated one. I don't like that one. No, 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 no. We gotta have the grandose one. We gotta have the one with the bells and the whistles. That's truncated. Can we the try
0: it again? Human yeah, 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 yeah. There's been Noah's Ark, Savior of Mankind. St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be Savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, Guardian Angel and Savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's art. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, here's Curtis Lewa.
1: From what to what?
0: What was that
1: $5 word? multi word? Uh, anyway, this is the hour that many of you have waited for. You've emailed us uh, about. You have said you want to get in queue. The most listened to hour of the many hours I do here at WABC. Especially on the weekends when it seems it's uh, all broadcasting Curtis all the time. And I'm joined by my lovely wife in this pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-St. Valentine's Day. Once again, uh, Nancy. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us, Nancy. Well,
21: actually, it is it is already Valentine's Day, so this That's is true. a Valentine's Day show. That's true. Now, before
1: we do Amor Amor for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes. Heidi had called up earlier in the program. Yes. A real yenta. (laughs) But Heidi in Westchester was saying that she can no longer listen to this hour like everybody else does because within a period of uh, close to uh, 60 minutes, she heard you say you know 70 times. 70 times.
21: Well, I I don't have the same skill set as you do. I I will work on that, though. Ooh,
1: wow, you're very malleable on that. You mean, you think Heidi could be right?
21: Well, I'm not sure about the exact number, although, uh, like you bring up oftentimes when people call the show, you know, if you're not familiar with it, you sort of uh, fall back on these statements that are filler words, I guess.
1: So is it I o- guess
21: I have to work on it. I guess that's I- the
1: point. I- is it okay, Nancy, if we actually clock you, if we have one of our crack-trained personnel members here at WABC, listen intently, bag you and tag you as to how many times you say you know within the course of this hour?
21: Well, I'd rather not because that probably will make me self-conscious. But in my defense, it is after midnight that I'm going on, so that, that could explain it a bit.
1: Do you take umbrage to what Heidi said, or do you view it as constructive criticism?
21: Uh, Constructive criticism. It doesn't bother me.
1: All right. Okay. All right. Good. Good. So our St. Valentine's uh, night will go well, correct?
21: Yes, of course it will. Okay.
1: We're not going to let Heidi interfere with that.
21: I wouldn't let anyone interfere with that. Thank
1: you. Thank you. By the way, how are the cats? We were away for a few days down in Florida. They were on their own. They had a a caretaker come over twice a day. Uh, But how have they survived that trauma, that ordeal of not being with you, the cat
5: lady?
21: Well, they actually did um, quite well. Um, I'm glad that I had someone spending a lot of time with them because that's what they require. They require a lot of time. They want attention. Uh, They're accustomed to having, you know, being brushed and groomed and you have to play. So, you know, you can't really just come over and change the water and the food and the litter and then just keep it moving. You you have to spend a lot of quality time with them. So I'm thankful that happened. But obviously, as soon as we came home, they attacked us. They were just so happy to see us. So I, I'm sure that they did miss us quite a bit.
1: I noticed you had the uh, treats uh, laced with catnip. <laughs> uh, this is like their form of drug. They can't get enough of that catnip.
21: Yeah, they come pre-laced. So I don't even have to do that.
1: Wow. So anyway, speaking of cats, there was this long critique uh, this past week of President Joe Biden, his administration, his wife, Joe Biden, and apparently he got a bad rating on a lot of different topic levels except for one. What did that happen to be?
21: Uh, It happened to be that the one of the only things they like about him now is his cat Willow. (laughs) You're kidding. Yeah, so, I mean, in spite of him, I mean, so the the story was uh, entitled, like, Unhappy America, and it was speaking about the, you know, extremely, like, low sort of um, approval rating that Biden has. But they were looking for, is there any uh, glimmer of hope in the people who were responding to this survey? And one thing that was said was that they were thankful that he had a cat. So... I think that that bodes well for cats in the White House going forward. And
1: the name of his cat,
21: Willow. So Willow.
1: this might have been focus grouped When he was doing really bad, you know how political wonks are. They put together a focus group, and they probably said, "Hey, you already got a German Shepherd. That ain't helping you. Maybe it's time to get a cat."
21: Yeah, I think that I think the hierarchy is children, dogs, and now cats. Wow.
1: Meantime, tonight was the. Uh, Super Bowl. I'm, I'm not going to abide by that. you're 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 an attorney. You're an Esquire. How is it that they can prevent us from saying Super Bowl because they market it as now that we have to say the big game?
21: Well, I, I guess it depends upon what type of contract you sign. Really, I mean, I haven't seen that, so I'm pretty sure you can. Be instructed to do anything, and it's—I mean—and and really, it's a—it's a minor point. I mean, I, it's, I don't think it's one of those things you want to draw a line in the sand about. So, uh, yeah, I would just um, use the new, updated terminology and just let it go.
1: Oh, so my attorney uh, Nancy tells me, "Don't make a, mo- a mountain out of a molehill," right?
21: I think that's wise advice.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you weren't around all the times I got sued. That's for sure, because <laughs> you would have talked me out of it.
21: Yeah, you you would be in a much better position had I been. All right,
1: now let me uh, phrase this. Uh, prior to the uh, the big game,
21: the big game,
1: there was the Puppy Bowl. Yes, but no Kitty Bowl.
21: Disappointing, disappointing. I, I, you know, and and it's great the idea of um, incorporating this concept of having, um, a, and 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 basically it has been going on for like eighteen years. And in this particular puppy bowl, they had 100 dogs from 63 shelters. So these are all rescue dogs, um, shelter dogs, and they're all up for adoption. And they've been very successful. They have 100% um, adoption rate every time they have these uh, puppy bowls. And they're showcasing these, these beautiful, you know, playful, gorgeous dogs. And, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a win-win for everybody. And they have it's, – it's cute. They have, like, Team Fluff and Team Ruff but seeing how successful it is, it would be great if they expanded it into, obviously, uh, into felines and obviously other animals as well. But I think um, America is so- somewhat split. that Half people are dog owners, half people are cat owners. So I think the, the time has certainly come for the cat bull.
1: You know, it would be interesting to find out how many Americans who own dogs or who have uh, cats actually have both, too.
21: You mean like um a dog and a cat?
1: Yeah.
21: Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I grew up having a dog and a cat in my household as well.
1: How did they get along? Oh, well,
21: they got along great. Um, you know, it it depends upon what type of I mean, obviously the temperaments of the of the pets. I think it has to do with um the way you introduce them to each other, uh maybe the age in which you introduce them, but uh the dog that um I had growing up in my household was a Labrador Retriever, and they have a very, you know, notoriously their personality is they're very good with children and other pets and animals. So the the dog was very gentle, so it was a perfect mix.
1: And that was out in Bohemia in Suffolk Bohemia, County.
21: Bohemia, correct? Yes.
1: So lots of space to run outside and play in.
21: Oh yeah, so the, I mean, the dog would, I mean, be able to uh, get its get its excess energy out and. running in the yard you know as kids obviously having a dog you could play with in the yard is is great growing up uh it's it's so much fun it's it's a great and the the dog was also the protector of the house so you know when we were growing up in long island we i remember not locking the front door going to sleep at night and that was just normal you didn't even think about it but also it was because we had our dog and if anyone would come in Right away, the dog will be barking or, you know, if necessary, I mean, attack.
1: Now, our WABC monitor right now indicates that you have said (laughs) you know two times so far, two times.
21: Okay, so hopefully I'm on a better pace.
1: All right, two times. Uh, That's a long way (laughs) away from what Heidi accused you of, uh, saying it 70 times in 60 minutes. But let's go to the next animal-related topic. This one, a really serious one, apparently tests indicate the New York City rats, and they estimate that there are four rats for every one citizen. So assuming there are like 8 million people and on the illegals, so maybe it's like 9 million, that would mean that there are probably underground about 36 million rats that operate who are very nocturnal, who come to the surface generally at night. And now they're claiming that these rats may be responsible for a new COVID-19 variant?
21: Yeah, so this is actually the, at this point, it's just conjecture. And um, this really started from uh, the recent story about how the white-tailed deers are easily infected with the COVID. So now there's this huge push to try and look into all other animal species to see what is the possibility that they could be carriers and, you know, indirectly um, infect humans. So, you know, reading uh, the stories that are that are out now, all of this is very, like I said, very conjecture. So, uh, you know, it, it has to do with animal strains going undetected, so you might not notice it now. And also the, the problem is, too, it's not that every uh, type of animal, so like, for instance, when they do animal testing the reasons why sometimes it's it's not applicable to humans is because we are different species, so it may not translate over. So given that this is such a new, uh, you know, process going on with studying COVID, they don't understand it enough really in humans. So to say that, oh, well, this is a variation of COVID in rats, I'm not sure if you can quite say that. But again, this is like the big push now going on. Oh, is there a possibility that animals can infect us. Now, the the issue with that, obviously, is it, you can go down that slippery slope. And before you know it, there's going to be every animal who's being put under this microscope as in terms of possibly infecting humans. And again, that could lead to very bad um, outcomes for these animals. So, you know, I think it's a little bit of a, like a fierce, um, you know, a fear reaction. But apparently, what they, what the, um, Um, the connection supposedly is, is because the rats live in underground in the sewers. And so it's the sewer water, the wastewater, the sewage system that supposedly they're, um, you know, possibly getting infected from. So that could be, you know, more, you got to be more focused on cleaning the sewage system, the wastewater system, as opposed to blaming the rats. But like to your point, there are so many rats running around and They clearly haven't done anything successfully in New York to keep the populations low. So, you know, again, all these things just, you know, come to, you know, know, sort of are lending itself to this sort of possibility of this issue.
1: Now, the next subject has to do with Elon Musk, the world's richest man, Uh, the owner-operator of the uh, Tesla car manufacturing plants. Obviously, he's involved in space travel, other endeavors, other investments, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. We can go on and on and on. But he is under attack now for conducting experiments on monkeys in which uh, these uh, animals have been reported to be suffering gravely. Could you explain that?
21: Yeah, so there, um, the, the um, particular thing that he's trying to utilize now is brain chips. So it's working in conjunction. So, I mean, the the theory is that, uh, you know, uh, increased human intelligence and overcoming any sort of neurological types of damages so that uh, people who are paralyzed can walk again. So, I mean, in theory, it sounds great, but again, so what they're doing is they're uh, utilizing a degree of monkeys, and they've been doing this for several years now, and apparently, so now the 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 uh, particular species of monkeys that they've utilized so in the past three years they 've had to euthanize more than sixty five percent of the animals that they 're testing on because they've suffered such traumatic brain injury, and uh there are groups now that have been filing to stop this testing because obviously i mean this is just the start of the testing it it will continue to go forward he hasn 't actually developed this yet, but it's showing that it's it's really very Um, You know, it's it's basically just maiming these animals And because there's no recourse, they just euthanize them So, I mean, this is a problem with testing on the animals And the scary part is um, He's already announced that he wants to start human trials this year And so when you look at the incredibly bad effects that it's had on the monkeys I mean, I can only, you know, imagine what would happen if humans start to take part in these trials
1: our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 848 9222 Whatever comments or questions you have on animal welfare issues, not just dogs and cats, any animals that would fit on the Curtis Ark, that's the uh, focus uh, of this one-hour presentation, which is all the different kinds of problems and situations that are affecting our animal friends, our animal uh, family members. 1-800-848-9222. Now, for years, we grew up with the Qantas Airlines commercial. Uh, It is the airline of Australia, the land down under. And the uh, mascot of Qantas Airlines is the koala Bear. But apparently, the koala Bear is being declared an endangered species. And why is that?
21: Well, it's the combination of uh, their... I mean, basically, it seems like the biggest thing is their habitat being destroyed. So... Uh, that's that spurs from the overdevelopment that's been happening. And recently, um, I, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people who are listening would recall in the past couple of years the incredible amount of brush fires that they had that destroyed so much of the habitat that's native to the koalas. So there's so many videos that I was watching a few years ago uh, where, you know, you're seeing the koalas being trapped more or less in these areas where they couldn't escape the... The fires. I mean, they're not the fastest creatures in the world, and they their habitat is they live in the trees. So the trees are burning. You know, there's not really any place for them to go. So there was a huge, um, like one third of the population was destroyed, and you know, apparently the their population has been decreasing for quite a period of time just because of the level of overdevelopment. I mean, their habitat is actually just slowly disappearing, and in combination with the natural uh, disasters. They are becoming they're considered now an endangered species, so they're they're um stating that you know by twenty fifty they could all be extinct, which is incredibly sad, especially because for Australia i mean that is like like you said they're so synonymous with Australia, so the fact that they're not you know they really need to be more aggressive about protecting them i mean this is their native habitat and uh you know again it's it's something that's easily addressed i mean they're starting to you know, try and just protect and preserve some of the lands where they live. But it, it's seeming like it might be a little too late for their efforts. So they'll have to probably double and triple down to, to preserve this, this well, um, species.
1: When I went to organize the Guardian Angels uh, in Australia, stopped at the Sydney Zoo, uh, the featured uh, animal was not the kangaroo, it's not the wombats, it is the koala bears. That's who the tourists come to see. They're up there in their tree. They're eating their eucalyptus leaves yes. nonstop, pooping nonstop, and they look stoned. Does that eucalyptus leaf uh, like uh, act as a, a drug and causes them to be in a like an induced uh, zombie-like state?
21: I don't. I don't think so. I think it's. I think it's actually just the the type of animal you're talking about. Like for instance, similar to like the sloth. I mean, they're slow-moving creatures, so um. I'm fairly sure that that along with that is the the trait of looking like you're constantly sleeping all the time. I mean, it does make sense, I think, characteristically. So, no, but um, and, and again, like when when all these uh, koala bears, when the habitat, uh, when all the brush fires were happening, all of the um, animal rescue groups that came in to help them, all they were so badly burned these koalas, and just to see them in their little rehabilitation centers with. You know, like a little casts on all their arms. I mean, it, it was again really sad. I mean, they're very obviously, like you said, very docile creatures. Uh, you know, which which almost makes you really much more, you know, feel the need like you should be protecting them. I mean, they they really can't protect themselves, and I mean they're just. So, I mean they're so cute too. So that kind of helps. Like you you want to you want to preserve them.
1: Let's go to the phones first up in the queue on our animal welfare segment. They can be heard each and every week this hour from 12 to 1 before we pass off the microphone to the other side of Midnight's Frank Morano. Is Anthony calling all the way from Boston? Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Anthony.
7: Nancy, Curtis, I got one of your little girls. You gave me Brooklyn. I, oh, I yes. At, <laughs> yes, at the height of COVID. Let me tell you something. She's doing good. I love that little girl, and she's good. And I'm gonna say right now, right now, Nancy and Curtis, you did good job. You take care of the critters. Curtis. Curtis, I supported you like I can't even vote there in New York, but I took care of you, and I never forget what you did. I got that cat before you came, like like the whole world shut down, and I got my little girl right now, and she's good. And I promise you, Curtis. I said, I would never, I named it Brooklyn because Nancy said she came from like Central <laughs> Park in Brooklyn.
21: Yeah. And when
7: I say it was the best, the best. And I'm telling anyone that's listening right now, Curtis and Nancy, they're hardcore. When it means to like, if you want it, you want to get in someone to take care of like God's creatures, they're right there. And uh, I just got home right now. i finishing work right now. And Curtis, I'm so happy for you too. I love you and Nancy. And uh, I, I'm totally depressed that you do not with the mayor, but like everybody for boss is thinking of you two guys. Uh, well, and you know what I mean. I met you two. I met you two. You know what I mean? Yeah, it came down
1: uh, right at the time of the lockdown and pandemic.
7: Yes. And, and yes.
1: adopted, adopted because Nancy is constantly rescuing cats to make sure they're not destroyed, euthanized in the shelters. She uh, gets them back together, healthy. Uh, teaches them to socialize, and then forces them out or adopts them out. And Anthony came all the way down from Boston uh, to yeah. retrieve Brooklyn, who was like a little miniature cat. Uh, how yeah, can we like describe? Yeah, like a little
21: munchkin cat. Yeah, like like, like little tiny uh, little tiny limbs, a whole bunch of fur, a super friendly great cat. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. then. Anthony, uh, based on what you had to say, if anybody uh, needs any more information like Anthony, who originally reached out to us over two years ago, uh, right at the lockdown, it was like March of uh, 2020, you too can get in touch with uh, Nancy on any of these animal issues, or if you wish to adopt a cat or a kitten or or whatever, uh, just... uh, go to the uh, guardianangel.org website. That's guardianangels.org. It's also our 43rd anniversary uh, today. But hit that tab, uh, the the, uh, Animal uh, Protection Division of the Guardian Angels, and you can get directly in touch with uh, Nancy, and she'll take care of any of your animal-related needs or answer any of your animal questions. Anyway, let's go to Tom, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on our Animal Welfare Hour of WABC.
9: Morning, Curtis. Morning, Nancy. We've
22: had better days, Curtis. I know.
5: Um,
22: My wife. My question is more for Nancy. Um, My wife is an animal rescuer as well, and um, the last dog she rescued during the beginning of the pandemic, when they were shutting roads down and stuff, we drove all the way out to West Virginia, and Lady met us from Kentucky, and we rescued some coonhounds, and. The, the, the they're very vocal, and um, my wife is very good with dogs normally. And uh, two we kept two of the puppies and the mother, and you know, she's really good at working with animals. But for some reason, this breed has been like really difficult. Um, I'm a veteran, I have bad PTSD and anxiety, and I had to leave, I had to leave the house. And I was wondering, uh, is there anything you can recommend for, for helping out with a barking dog all the time? You know, it's driving me nuts.
21: Oh wow, that, that's that's a great question. Um, in ter- yeah, in terms of in terms of dogs barking, uh, I mean, you know, when I think about with cats, when they are excessively like making noise as well, uh, a lot of times if there's things you can do to uh, take their attention, you know, like sort of uh, occupy their attention. So it could be that the dog just needs to have uh, more outdoor time, more play time, um, something like that. But Yeah, not – again, it could be just a – sometimes when you get dogs from other people, there could be some underlying thing that you just don't know about. So, yeah, I mean, again, I I would say the first thing I would suggest is just trying to, like, almost, like, tire the dog out a little bit, being interactive with them. But I would say this this might be something that even consulting with someone who is, like, a dog behaviorist, because it could just be the type of breed – that that is what they do and i mean i'm assuming the basic stuff is done like the dog's fixed cuz you know obviously that would make sense but if it's not feeling threatened if it's needs a little more time just to uh adjust to the environment but sometimes it's if they want attention they make noise and so i would always say anything you can do to tire them out um you know taking walks to the park if you have a yard just i mean you know, play time things like that i would uh, say as an initial thing but if not i i mean also you'd be surprised how helpful some of these um, sites online are. So if you actually plug in the specific breed and then you can actually get involved where you're seeing blogs where people have the exact dog and they'll be telling you, oh, if this is a, a common trait, if it's a common trait, then there's probably not much you can do about it because it's associated with the dog. But if you're know if you in, in that and you don't really see that or if people aren't saying, oh, my dog does that a lot, it could just be particular to this dog. It may have had like a, a traumatic, um, you know, sort of um, upbringing. And, you know, again, when you get animals from other people sometimes, you know, without knowing the history, that that sometimes, you know, goes par for the course. You know, usually you try to give them as much time so they can calm down, um, you know. And again, if the dog has been a little bit um, back and forth, it could just be not comfortable yet, you know, maybe once it knows that, okay, it's here, it's staying, it's fine, then it will just calm down on its own. But I mean, yeah, it's, I would suggest you know looking online too, even just checking out this particular breed.
1: Well, we have uh, a uh, WABC uh, member of our staff here who is uh, critiquing the number of times you say you know. Uh, you're now up to a dozen times, Nancy. No,
21: there's no way I'm up to a dozen. Yes, you're up I, to a dozen I, times. I need to see the analytics on this critique.
1: Okay, well, we'll definitely <laughs> break that down to you. In the meantime, let's go to Deborah, who's uh, waiting on the line from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here in the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Deb.
8: Yes, hi. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Curtis. You know, don't go changing, Nancy, to try to please some people. We love you just the way you
21: are. Thank you. Okay, I love this so, song. Yeah.
23: Okay, so don't worry about
8: that. I have a question. You were talking about the koala bears. What about the kangaroos? I hear that they're killing them for shoes, making a lot of shoes out of them. Did you hear that?
21: You know what? I'm, uh, that I'm not aware of. Um, I, I do know that. They they have they were affected also by the you know the, the, the destroying fire. of the habitat. But I haven't heard of the shoe thing. Oh my yes, gosh, there's a kangaroo
8: whole kangaroo shoes? About that. You should read up on it. They're killing okay. them, and they're making a lot of, they're very expensive
21: shoes actually. Yeah, oh
8: absolutely.
21: And, and, and are they, they, are they being is. are they being advertised as such like kangaroo shoes? Yes. Oh yes, my god. Like
8: very special. Like oh, I have kangaroo
21: shoes. I, I can't imagine like an anyone bag. wanting being proud of having kangaroo shoes. That's so odd.
8: Well, look it up, because I okay. heard this actually a few months ago, and I tried to call in, but you, you, your line was busy a few times. But
1: well, you know what, June. we'll follow up on that, yeah. Deborah, but when yeah, I was in Australia, uh, and I went from Sydney to Melbourne, Melbourne to Brisbane, uh, they don't have the super highways like we have here in America. Sometimes you're limited to, like, uh, two lanes, maybe four lanes to max. If a kangaroo or a wombat which is the other natural animal to uh, the country of Australia, uh, is out in the uh, street and just doesn't move, you are not permitted to move around the uh, wombat or the kangaroo. you got to wait till they hop away in the case of the kangaroo or the wombat walk away. All traffic comes to a halt. It's like what I saw in India when I went from Bombay to Poncherry uh, to Madras, where if a cow decided to lay out in the middle of the road all traffic comes to a halt no harm uh comes to that cow in India no harm comes to that kangaroo or that wombat on the highways or what we what they call highways in Australia anyway let's go if we can to uh let's go to uh, Matt who's calling from flushing your turn to be heard here on WABC Matt Hey Curtis, uh, millennial here, and I gotta defend Nancy on the uh, you know you know thing because I, I do it myself, to be <laughs> honest.
22: And I, I think uh, I think there's a subconscious understanding that there's a short-term uh, attention span now, and you kind of almost have to cat you know, make sure that they're
10: following you, you know.
21: Yeah, exactly. I know.
10: <laughs> wow. Now,
1: I, I I anticipate, based on our Cracker Jack staff member here who is critiquing this, uh, Matt, that they claim that Nancy, so far, uh, in the first half hour of our animal welfare
9: hour, has said, you know, 12 times. I don't think I've even heard it once, to be honest. I, but then again, it probably just goes right right through me and one ear or the other. Because like I said, you know, I say it a lot myself.
21: But that is a great point that you, you make. <laughs> that it's a it's um an, an awesome way to gauge whether someone's continuing to listen by saying that because then they have to reply in turn. So,
1: Let's yeah, go. that makes a lot of sense. Let's go to Gary and Inwood.
12: Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gary. Uh, good morning, folks. On that count, it's exactly 12. But <laughs> let me add this. In the overall scheme of things, it's totally unimportant. Well, wait a second. You were counting, too, Gary. <laughs> Yeah, I was counting because just out of curiosity, and I wrote it down. It's 12 times, but, but the prefaces, it's totally unimportant. Well, wait a second. No, it's very important because. <laughs> well, it may be to you, but uh, you know, once again, the overall scheme of life, it means. Gary,
1: no. Gary, you guys only have to listen to Nancy one hour a week. I'm at home, and she's talking to me, and then under says to me, how come you're not answering me? How come you're not listening to me? Because she keeps saying, you know, you know, you know, you know.
21: Well, actually, what you do is you shake your head as though you've heard, and then I have to qualify and say, oh, do you really agree with that? And then you're like, no, no, I didn't hear what you said. So I kind of blame you.
1: Well, you know, I am a little hard of hearing. Uh, I know.
21: I'm aware of this.
1: The question (laughs) is, is it a physical situation that's deteriorating, or do I do it on purpose?
21: I I would like to think it's not on purpose, Hmm. so... Well, this,
1: uh, this will require further attention and discussion, no <laughs> doubt about that. Let's go to Keith, who's calling from Bayside. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Keith.
22: Hey, guys. Um, my question's for Nancy. I've been doing uh, rescue for 45 years, and since the pandemic, I trapped cats, and I can't get them fixed. Veterinarians want to give you a two-week appointment. And I was wondering if you knew any place that would take them in on the immediately after they're trapped to, to be fixed.
21: Well, at this point, um, I know that the uh, ASPCA uh, clinic—they yeah, they have
22: out the truck every once a month. No, I mean. no,
21: they also have—they uh, also have if you're uh, the TNR certified, which I'm assuming you are. They have where you can make the appointments online, and I believe this the center they have is in uh, Glendale. Uh, glendale queen so that's what i've done before so you can make an appointment beforehand like sort of an anticipation of trapping them and then if you don't you can just cancel the appointment And you can do that online they had closed that down for quite a period of time during um like when the yeah. covid started and what i was trying to do in the interim like i was reaching out where people were in the situation like you were like they had uh hard to catch cats where they finally got them, and then they didn't have any um, place to bring them to. So I was transporting them to my vet. uh, But, again, obviously the issue with that is it's not that uh, same discounted type of rate you can get when you are TNR certified and you're going to one of these places. But I would suggest uh, going on to the ASPCA online uh, site where you can make the appointments online and, you can, mm-hmm. again, you can make them well in advance, and if you, just, if you don't catch the cat, you can cancel it. And they usually have – the dogs are the ones that fill up quickly, but usually the cats, they have uh, – but, again, that, that just requires a transport, so you'd have to be uh, able to bring them to the, that facility. But, uh, I mean, that, I would say that's the best bet at this point.
22: Yeah, that's not the problem. I, I have a vet that I was using, and any time I would trap a cat, the next morning he would be in there getting fixed.
21: Oh, but you mean the, right vet, now, the vet themselves aren't open like that?
22: Yeah, the vets themselves oh. are not doing it. They're giving you an appointment like a week ahead of time. I can't leave the cat in the trap for a, a week.
21: Yeah, no, so. you know, and, and again, the the one vet. It's funny because we live in uh, we, we live in Manhattan, but the vet that I've been seeing for like over fifteen years. The reason I I bring my cats to see him in Brooklyn, uh, Doctor Nasser, is because he will do that if I just call him. And I have his, like, cell phone number. I'll be like, can I come in tomorrow morning with the cat? It's like, yes, I can get him to do that, like, right on the spot. And, I mean, th- that is important to me because exactly to your point, if you have to wait two weeks, that's, that's not even a possibility. So uh, I guess it depends upon the type of vet. But, I mean, he's one that's good, too. So if you're in the near the Windsor Terrace area, uh, Dr. Nassar is great.
1: Well, if you have any further information uh, or questions for Nancy, our animal uh, welfare expert, and Cat rescuer, uh, just go to Guardian Angels' website. It uh, happens to be our 43rd anniversary today. We celebrated earlier up in uh, Washington Heights off on of 187th and Fort Washington Avenue right before you get to Inwood. Feel free to go to W-A-B, excuse me, GuardianAngels.org. That's GuardianAngels.org, and hit the tab for uh, Animal Protection Division. That's uh, the group that uh, Nancy is in charge of and whether you have questions or uh, whatever it is that's on your mind about animal welfare issues, contact Nancy through that. Let's go to the phones and to uh, Ann, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ann?
20: Yeah, actually, it's Diane, but okay. First of, <laughs> of all, I have two things to say. <clears throat> your wife speaks very, very well. I mean, for for those... And uh, uh for those you know that are supposedly but poorly twelve, she has thousands of other words. If you wanna <laughs> hear somebody who really misuses, you know, did you ever hear Carolyn Kennedy speak?
1: God she can barely chew gum and think at the same time.
20: No, seriously, I remember years ago when when they used to uh, uh, record her uh, speaking for I don't know she was supposed to go to some political office or something. Oh my God! Every literally every other word. But you're There's nothing wrong with the way she speaks. I think that woman that called in is, is she get a life? Now, <laughs> this is the thing. In, in my building, right next door, there are a whole bunch of feral cats, and. <clears throat> there's a family plus me. Sometimes, you know, we feed them. This family feeds them every day. Okay, okay. there's around six of them, and one of them got sick recently. And this family is not rich by any means. And they and and the woman was telling me, and I was asking her about this cat that looked like it was dying. She said, "No, it's not dying." She said she just spent five hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Or for a bet, and, and is is going to spend 150 for the medicine. I mean, that blew my mind. I mean, they, somebody would, would spend that much money for a feral cat, and they're, by no means is this family wealthy. I just think it's amazing that they would do that.
5: Well,
1: well Nancy, you've run across many, many uh, people who take care of these outdoor cats, feral cats. Uh, they'll never be domesticated. Uh, what is your suggestion of how to care for them when they're under the weather or they're clearly showing signs of deteriorating?
21: Uh, well, uh, just, just for starters, I, I, I want to say that I I see exactly that all the time. Like since I've started um, working with animals who are outdoors, it to me I think this is probably one of the most involved uh, volunteerism groups you'll ever find, animal lovers, because you won't have the money and you really don't have the means, but – They're so willing, people are so willing to give their time, their effort, and whatever they have to help these animals. Like, it's such a caring community and really extend, again, to extend yourself so far. Uh, In terms of if animals aren't, uh, if animals, and again, this is a tough thing with with outdoor animals. Um, When I first started out, I didn't have a lot of um, income to be able to assist animals as much as, in theory, I'd like to. The main thing was obviously getting them initially fixed and the shots, but you know it, it's more of trying to take care of them as best you can to prevent it. I mean, obviously you can't prevent every type of thing, so that's why, for instance, in the winter time, the shelters are important. Uh, this way, they're not getting you know hypothermia. They're not so. But again, once you start seeing an animal who's sick, uh, is again it's a it's a tough thing. It's it's hard to say. Um, I would, I mean, I, I sometimes like. for instance, if you try to also, besides just putting down food for them, there are these uh, supplements that you can buy in the pet stores, like, you know, like, um, they're like in a tube, like almost like a toothpaste type thing. This is something that when you're feeding the cats and you have that direct ability to influence their diet, it can keep them a little healthier. So this way, you know, because most of this stuff is, uh, you know, like it's not the healthiest food that you're feeding them. So this can be a way to sort of keep them healthier. But When they aren't uh, doing well, uh, you know, again, depending upon what it is, I mean, I've gotten a good eye over the years with determining, like, what's a big deal versus what isn't a big deal. And, uh, you know, if you have to bring them to a shelter, obviously, you know, well, no, no, not a shelter, I mean a vet. If you have to bring them to a vet, if you can also reach out to certain groups, like, for instance, I've helped people who had issues uh, at times with animals too. So it's like, you know, you can reach out to rescue groups, and surprisingly, you know, there there are some, some resources that they have. They'll be able to assist you. And this is kind of the whole point of trying to keep animals uh, together with people. And, you know, that includes the feral animals as well, because otherwise they will just wind up uh, going to, like, animal care and control. So, uh, you know, I, could, I would say reach out to either some rescue groups. But if in the interim, as you're caring for them, if you can just supplement their foods with a lot of these nutritional types of things, that really does so much for the outdoor cats because, I mean, they do have a a much shorter lifespan than indoor cats because of the level of stress they have, obviously, uh, being outdoors. It's not the the same type of environment. So they are kind of prone to, uh, to, you know, die earlier. And so, you know, I I would say more of the health things that you can do to help them.
1: Let's go to Daniel who's calling from Queens. Uh, Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC. Daniel?
7: Good evening. Good morning, rather. Um, I was thinking about how the subway parts in New York City with the elevated rail, there's problems. The birds hang out and the droppings create, you know, so much areas of, of poopage where it makes it sort of difficult sometimes to walk and, and it cramps up the sidewalks. I was wondering, instead of putting... Spikes and really, like, primitive things, there has to be an electronic way to discourage birds or maybe if subway stations could play sound effects of of eagles or some way that's humane to keep the birds from becoming, you know, sidewalk poopers. Sidewalk
1: poopers. (laughs) Now, that's oftentimes happened. So I'm underneath the J train, uh, which is heading out to Jamaica, or the elevated number seven train on its way out to Corona. And you see the especially the pigeons uh, embedded uh, underneath. Uh, They use it as a form of sanctuary. Uh, How can that be resolved, uh, Nancy, so that the authorities don't start poisoning them or trapping them and then killing them?
21: Well, yeah, I think the the caller has a great point about having much more humane methods of deterrent. So, uh, I, I definitely agree with the with the sound element. Uh, there are also um, different things, like for instance, that can blow in the wind, so it like sort of creates something where it's not a a, a, a steady environment. It's there's sort of like a, um, some mobility to it, and that can sort of frighten them. There are um, certain methods that are being used, and I think. It's, I can't believe it's legal at this point for pigeon spikes to be placed everywhere to begin with. I, I, don't, I don't really understand the concept of how that's allowed because all you see is just pigeons who are, you know, maimed, you know, missing parts of their claws, stumbling around the city. So there are areas, obviously, where they're inclined to go. And, you know, it's, it, there's ways to sort of close off those spaces where, okay, By default, they have to go somewhere else. But, yeah, I think uh, some of those areas, like you're talking about, Curtis, it's more – it's, you know, the weather gets really cold. I mean, these aren't – the pigeons, they don't migrate. They stay here. So uh, they're just trying to keep warm like everyone else. So I think, you know, I mean, they could also maybe account for it. Like they can, you know, maybe start setting stuff up, acknowledging that the pigeons are going there, and then preventing it where the the poop isn't able to fall to the ground – and then just, you know, having periodically cleaning it. I mean, that's one way to do it. I mean, acknowledging this is what's going on and not having it be annoying to the public at large, which is obviously what usually causes people to implement these devices that are very, you know, archaic.
5: Let's
1: go to Karen in Rockland County. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC, Karen.
23: Hello, both of you, and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, I watched the Puppy Bowl tonight, and it was <laughs> oh, it was so cute.
2: They, they captured a lot
23: of uh, dogs off of that show, which is great. And they showed a lot of the um, they showed a lot of the uh, you know farms and the shelters where they take care of these animals. Yes, it was really nice to see. And I have a a, a good campaign ad for Curtis. I've already talked to him about it. Before I get to my my uh, calico cat. Uh, have a kitchen table with a whole bunch of cats sitting around. You can even sit at the table, too, Nancy. <laughs> have a plate of have a plate of English muffins on the table. And the comment can be that Curtis knows all the nooks and crannies of the city.
21: Oh, I like that. That's good. <laughs>
23: <laughs> you can steal that idea, Curtis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I definitely will. Definitely will. Now, what is uh, the problem that your calico cat is having?
23: Uh, she was diagnosed. She's a feral cat. I've had her about eleven years now. Um, okay. um Oh, uh, she was diagnosed with um, some kind of hypothyroidism, and you know they had her on medication for them, and I haven't been able to get to a vet lately because uh, I don't really have a vet. We had twenty six cats at one time. Wow. And the all fell. It was very hard to catch up and all that. Now, uh,
1: the Nancy, one... uh, the uh, the cats, like a uh, calico cat, we just recently had one. Unfortunately, Hope, who passed away, who's was my buddy, uh, when I come back from uh, 18 to 20 hours of campaigning, nobody wanted to talk to me and hear my propaganda. Uh, even Nancy would, like, turn around and say, enough already. I've had it. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> the only one who would stay side by side with me was Hope. The calico cat.
21: Yeah, Hope had, Hope had a great uh, disposition where anytime time any of the other cats were a little bit out of sorts or the kittens were, you know, crying a little bit, all I would have to do is literally place the kitten right next to Hope and Hope would just start cleaning and hugging and take care of it. I mean, that's the first calico cat that I ever had, but I've heard a lot about, um, you know, from other people who've had calicos and their disposition is really great.
1: Now, uh, there is a new uh, calculation of the number of times you've said you know. Oh, gosh. Twenty-three times. Twenty-three times.
21: I I really need to speak to this person who's doing this count because I can't say I agree with it. It's the clicker.
1: It's a clicker. The same kind of clicker you'd have outside of a club when you're counting heads, you know, of the individuals who are coming inside. Uh, You notice that our friend from Inwood clocked you at the same number about 10 minutes ago. He said 12. It's now at 23.
21: Well, then clearly I'm doing better than previously. So
1: That's true. You're slowing down a bit. Let's go to Virginia in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Virginia.
24: Hi, it's Bronx. Hi, I wanted to speak to Nancy. Nancy, last week I called up and you were telling me to look at some uh, nonprofit organizations to get my cat fixed. Okay. And the cat, I did, I called up the Toby project today. Oh, Toby, yeah. And mm-hmm. they, yeah, they do not do the Bronx, only Queens. So oh they my gave God. me a number and I called up this number in Queens. And you have to go in person just to make the appointment. And then the appointment is weeks later. So I asked them, can I call online? And they said, no, they said you have to come in person. And then I said, well, I hear you can transport a cat. Can you pick up the cat? They said no. So I don't know who I called up exactly. Now, is this a
21: feral cat or is this a domestic cat?
24: It's a cat that, I, that we found. And okay. I said I'd like to keep it, so I'd like to get him fixed.
21: Well, yeah, you know, what? actually, you can get in touch with me um, directly, and I, and I'll actually help facilitate this because, yeah, that that that, that I, I'm surprised it was that complicated. Right. To let's do that. uh,
1: let's put Virginia on hold. Let's see if you can get Virginia's information, and I'll take it to Nancy again. For any okay. of you out there want any information that has to do with animal welfare or animal conditions, not just dogs or cats or any other kind of animals, feel free to go to guardianangels.org. It's also our 43rd anniversary. We celebrated that uh, earlier today up in uh, Washington Heights on 187th and Fort Washington Avenue. A lot of guardian angels locally turned out. Uh, We now have guardian angels in 13 countries, 130 cities. So you can read more about that. But also hit the tab, the animal protection division of the guardian angels. That's the uh, part of the guardian angels that Nancy is in charge of. And she'll definitely get back to whatever your needs might be. Um, Well, you know, it's uh, right before Valentine's Day, uh, Nancy. And I hope you will not take umbrage to the fact that some of our listeners like Heidi up in Westchester and some of the other listeners have been critiquing the way you speak in counting the number of times that you say you know.
21: Yes, I do not take umbrage to that. Okay,
1: so we're going to have a good (laughs) St. Valentine's Day tomorrow, right? Of course. You're not going to hold it against me, right?
21: I wouldn't hold someone else's statements against you, of course. That's not. right,
1: that was Heidi. You know, Frank came in here earlier to defend uh, the Gotti girl, uh, Angela Gotti. Uh, yet he also took umbrage because uh, Heidi took him to task.
21: Well, I mean, but he probably deserved it, though.
1: Uh, I would say in that case, yes. But anyway, <laughs> once again, thanks for a great animal welfare segment. Keep those calls coming in. Keep those questions coming in. Keep the information coming in to GuardianAngels.org.
0: He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. In one
1: Oh, this is a much better version than yours, Frank Marano. You know, if you'd like me to, I could uh, call up David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, who are still at war with Spotify and Joe Rogan, and see if he'd be kind enough to let you play this song. Because, remember, it's on loan from to me, not to you.
19: Well, uh, to be honest, actually, all the members of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young have uh, asked that their music... Stop be played on this radio station as long as you're co-hosting a show with Anthony Weiner. Oh, so
1: oh, that's right. We'll have to do without the debut of the Curtis uh, and Anthony show. Take place on Saturday from two to four. Uh, it can be heard on podcasts. If you can't listen to it live, it'll be a regular feature on Saturdays. So, what was your critique, Frank Morano? Because I know you listen to as many different programs as you can here yeah. on WABC, uh, including with Carmine.
19: That's true. Uh, So I thought the show was pretty good. You know, obviously, for the first show, as you know, a show like that, people are going to be tuning in for the novelty factor. A show like that, I'm much more interested in the fourth or fifth episode. I got the impression that you were um, uh, to the extent that you were able to do this. You were a little easy on him. I didn't get the sense that you were going full speed ahead, guns blazing. I got the sense, and I don't blame you, that you wanted to create an environment where he was a little bit more comfortable first. And uh, you were actually, I thought, very kind to him as, as you know, his first show on well, the Well, I'm air.
1: not going to be kind to you, yes. as I've not been kind to Dominic Carter well, and you, not been kind to Bo Snerdly. Right. You all share something in common. The other... The other morning, I was... None listening. of the
19: three of us are co-hosting a show with a convicted sex offender. Yes, that's uh, right. We you, actually... That is the thing that we No, no. Done. This
1: has to do with the uh, desire. You have a fantasy, Frank. Yes. You may not be aware of it. Yes. But you, Bo Snurdly and Dominic Carter, maestro, could you go to the tape?
19: If you like Humphrey Bogart, with the emphasis on <laughs> like, I could start it a syllable earlier.
1: Now, you see, you think you can sing... On radio, we've heard Dominic Carter, 10 times worse than you, and Bo snurdly who you hear in the afternoons from 4 to 5 before the Cats Roundtable, actually fashions himself as if he's Barry White. What is it about you guys? You have talk show hosts, and yet you want to sing.
19: Weren't you in the chorus or something? I was in the choir. That's the right, choir. in St. Matthews. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I was never in a choir. So, so Were I, you an altar boy? I was not, no. What were you? I was nothing. I mean, I don't know. You were nothing. No, you actually said it correctly.
1: I was nothing. No, that's true. You are quite a good baseball player. When I profiled you initially, I said, ah, this guy probably can't play baseball. You're not only a good baseball player, you're a fierce competitor. Thank you. Even to the point where you were screaming your lungs out at Joe Piscopo. That's right. Because he wasn't hustling. I'm not proud
19: of that. But Joe still has a hard time with with that particular incident. Yeah, I have highlights coming up, by the way, in our two o'clock hour of my latest ping-pong series of matches with Joe Borelli. I know you were covering oh that. Oh, God. That's uh, red Chinese. A great deal. A great that's deal over the weekend. That's
1: all red China all the time. A real man does not play ping-pong.
19: I suppose you're right.
1: Uh, somebody who is being influenced by the red Chinese, uh, their Chinese, not our Chinese, like Taiwan, a.k.a. Formosa, are you ready to actually challenge the Red Chinese Menace in a no, game of ping pong?
19: I still need some more practice. I, need, I still need some How more practice. How long have you been playing? I don't know. I've always played, but I didn't have a table growing up. So until I moved into my own house about a year ago, I had nowhere to put a table. So now I'm making up for lost time. Now most you know, people, you know, it's like, you know, when you're, maybe you can't relate because you had such an odd childhood. But when you're, <laughs> a, ch- when you're a kid... Um, you always hear these stories about um, children that want to eat straight cookie dough yes. without without yeah, right. you know without baking. baking the cake, and and then you know your parents always tell you oh when when or you're raw, an adult raw
1: chocolate raw, raw, chopped right. meat. raw chopped well meat. I don't know about
19: that one exactly no, that was we'll good get stuff. We'll, we'll get back to <laughs> you had an odd childhood um, <laughs> you know your parents always tell you oh when you're an adult you know you can make a cookie dough and just eat it now no one actually does that this is my version of that I always wanted a ping pong table never. Had one. I would always play uh, when I'd go on vacation or where I was somewhere with a ping pong table. Now I'm making up for all that all that lost time.
1: Mm, A nice cover for being sympathetic to the red Chinese. It's true. But anyway, what do you have coming in your uh, the other side of midnight extravaganza? Well, we
19: have uh, a terrific midnight panel. Uh, Pavlina Asta, who is a young woman, a proud generation Zer, who she or actually may even be millennial. She's interviewed you many times. Uh, She's a Guinness World Record holder. She's going to be joining us, and we have somebody that is in your age group, a baby boomer. So we're going to do generational comparisons on Valentine's Day. Mm. We're also going to be talking a little bit about the Super Bowl, not necessarily the game itself, although we might talk about that. But the kind of the culture that has emerged around the big game, and uh, we'll we'll do that. And uh, Rita Glavin, Andrew Cuomo's attorney, had a fascinating interview with John Katzmatidis on Friday. I am going to be critiquing that. Keith Ablo is going to join me uh, in the four o'clock hour to doctor doctor Dr. Yes. Keith Abloh yes. to explain why so many wealthy, famous, and seemingly uh, pe- seemingly wonderful people who are talented and good looking, why so many of them seem to be killing themselves these days.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Wait a second! Why were you looking at me here, Frank? Well, I, <laughs> yeah. like, oh. I, what do you want, Doctor Keith Avlo, the shrink, to have me lay down on the couch and try to figure out why all my furniture is rearranged in the wrong rooms? And
19: if people have questions about the story you raised with me in the eleven o'clock hour of the uh, of Angel and Frankie Gotti and their lawsuit against this. A rat uh, if people have questions i'm happy to address and i'll be playing some of the clips from your programs oh, over the weekend oh really and uh, i will be responding there were a lot them. there yes. were a
1: lot <laughs> that, that were and indeed. by the way we'll send you heidi from tonight thank you my yes. lord she took on first nancy about saying you know she said six no 70 times in 60 minutes and then she just tore you a new tookus. I heard. A new dupa.
19: Uh She's listening pretty closely. I don't care if she doesn't like me as long as she keeps listening. God bless her. Oh, wow. Frank, somehow I don't
1: necessarily buy that. You really took umbrage in terms of what she said. I, I didn't take
19: umbrage. You know, I, I am happy that she's part so of the uh, come, massive it, it's audience it's just that come we've see, built during come the week. See,
1: come, right. come see, come Sa. That's right. Frank Morano's come see, come sa Heidi.
5: Heidi. He's mad at Heidi. I'm not mad. And he ain't taking it no more.